suction deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Suction deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Suction deep. Put it in. Dave McKinnon. He stops. Kucherov steals a puck. Kucherov racing toward the net. Kucherov in a goal. He scores. Oh, does he score? Yes, he does. He scores into the net. The referees have halted play here. The red light did not go on. Now they indicate it's a goal. You know, getting pucks deep, putting the puck deep, put pucks in deep. He's chipping pucks, he's getting pucks deep. Just put the puck deep, getting pucks out, getting pucks deep. Get pucks deep, pucks in deep, puck deep, pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. All right, welcome back to Trades in Deep. That's right. It's Trades Day here on the Pucks in Deep podcast. Josh Coleman, Adam Lesko. Back after a pretty long hiatus, two weeks. Lesko, you're on the IR. On the IR. Sustained a major beer league hockey injury. Right. So it was two Tuesdays ago, right? Right after we had Nick. It was last week. Oh, sorry. No, last week you got the injury. Yeah. So we missed last week's show because I was too high on muscle relaxants (laughs) to perform my duties. I texted you. I said, maybe the show on muscle relaxers would be the way to go. You know, I, I did consider it briefly, but I was like, I could have just nodded off though and just, or, or been like, Bleh. you know, like not made any sense. And you'd be sitting there shaking your head like this was a mistake. So you'd put the listeners to sleep even worse than you do without being on muscle relaxed. I suppose. I suppose. So yeah, basically what happened was like, so I, I have recurring neck problems from breaking vertebrae several years ago in minor hockey. And so I, I like sprain it occasionally or tweak it or something. Not a big deal. Right. And I deal. did something in warmups where I'm like, Ooh, that, that wasn't good. And like thought maybe tweaked it, try to stretch it out a bit. And it was just killing me. So after a few shifts, I went off and went home and you know, okay, I'll throw the heating pad on. I'll take some Advil, see what happens. And it was like unbearable. Couldn't sleep. I was up at 5am. I said, fuck it. I'm going to the hospital and got some precautionary x-rays. Everything's good. Everything's straight. So that's important, but it was just like a bad neck sprain, I guess. And so I got some drugs and, you know, it's stiff, it's tender, but good enough to perform on the Pucks and Deep podcast tonight. boy, looking comfortable. And it's a good thing that I got you on the stool then, or the, the, the drummer throne. I guess I shouldn't call it a stool. The drummers get mad about that. Uh, you got I got you over there on the throne, which can help with your posture. It kinda. can if I sit properly. If you, <laughs> but unfortunately, you're offsetting that posture alignment by leaning into the microphone. So. Well, I got this goddamn laptop here. Which usually I don't because I get distracted too easily. Well, listen. So I'm trying to fit all my shit on my workspace. Well, listen. When when it comes time for Kirsty and I to uh, construct and erect a dwelling to live in, I'll be having your input on the podcast recording studio room because, as you know, I do dabble with uh, guitar and I do have a set of electric drums, but they don't work anymore. But I'm always in the market for another set. <laughs> so I I would always I've always said to Kirsty that now that I have the podcast and a little bit of musical full studio required. Yeah, like not a huge ass stupid studio, probably no bigger than the room that we're in right now, yeah. but just actually legit, you know, with outlets in certain spots so you can plug you in. You one of those conference tables or something or like a, a 
a good table that has like the plugs in the middle. The, and, a hub. Yeah, the hub. The hub yeah, in the middle with yeah. the with the uh, USB and everything on there. But listen, that's down the road when the podcast is even bigger than it is today, which is also a special day, Lesko, because of the recent uh, partnership that the Pucks in Deep podcast has entered with or entered, what am I trying to say here? Entered into. Yeah, there we go. Entered into a partnership with Gallant Media. So Sean Gallant, absolute beauty. Um, I've been uh, I've been talking to him a little bit, you know, on and off over the past month or so. And Sean's the guy that got us our mugs here. Uh, well, my mother, you know, got them done up for us for Christmas. So, <clears throat> excuse me, he's got, you know, our file and whatnot. And I've been talking to him. I said, listen, man, like, we got a pretty good following and I, I don't think I really lied to him in that instance because we do. Not. We do have a pretty good following and we got a bunch of people out there that actually want to purchase some of those mugs. So we're, uh, we can confirm now that, you know, not only do we have the partnership with Gallant Media, we'll be happy to, you know, recommend their services because let's go. You, you, do you have it up in front Guy of you Guy does there? absolutely everything. Yeah, give okay, us a rundown. So marketing and advertising work, computer and IT service, web development, Printing promotional products like the stuff we're hawking here today. Um, social media management, okay, for mobile, computer, tablet, whatever whatever you need. Graphic design and branding and clothing and apparel. So if you want an exclusive Pucks and Deep podcast mug with our beautiful logo splashed across the front, we are selling them for $15 plus shipping and handling. And you just slide into our DMs, give us a message, Coleman's supposed to create an email exclusively for our uh, material promotions purposes. Oh, that was thrown on me 40 minutes for, ago. Not even like four yeah. minutes okay, ago. Okay, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, thanks very much to Sean Gallant uh, for working with us. And we're hopefully going to continue to grow the brand and put some things out there. So we'll be uh, offering some more products that we'll be launching <coughs> soon. Obviously, t-shirts and some hats will be coming along as well. I'm uh, just working on some mock-ups there so we can post what those look like so you can see what you're getting, see what you want. And uh, yeah, so thanks very much to Sean Gallant. Uh, if you want to check out his services and his website, they can be found at Gallant. So that's G-A-L-L-A-N-T media.ca. You know, I'm glad that you mentioned the exclusive mugs because, you know, I, I went ahead and I ordered the exact same mugs that we got. But we both agreed that these ones might be a little bit too large. And I agree because I, I love coffee as much as the next guy. I, I usually have one a day in, in my morning. I'm not like a crazy coffee fiend that buys a bunch of them every day. But I start off with my one in the morning. And unfortunately, I have to take it to go. So I put it in my to-go cup, which maybe we can get some Pucks and Deep uh, to-go cups as well. This guy, fake Yetis. Dude, this guy. Yeah, fake Yetis. Yeah. This guy's got so much shit that he can do, man. Lanyards. Like we're talking all kinds of different things, little stickers and whatnot. So there's lots of uh, room for, um, you know, looking at other items as well that can be uh branded with our pucks and deep logo but yeah uh the ex back to the exclusive look so the exclusive mugs these ones are going to be the actual large size mugs so for any of our listeners that actually do really like their coffee want to drink out of the mug on a regular basis get in on the ground level because i think after this order let's go and i'm not sure exactly what the number is on the order it might have been a dozen or it might have been two dozen i'm not sure but let's pretend it's a dozen get in on the dms Make sure you let us know that you do want one. And uh, it's going to be really cool, dude. Like, it's going to be the first time in my life personally where I'm like, 
I don't know. Can we say that we're creating something? <laughs> yeah, we created the podcast and the created brand. The logo. We create. You created the logo. Like it's just. Right. It's really interesting to me at this point in my life. I never. I never really thought that I would be selling something that you know I made, and by I, I mean we. Correct, and that's pretty awesome. And you know, competition's really heating up under the uh, Pucks in Deep name, as it seems that the rivalry has been reignited. Uh, oh, you talking about podcast war? Yeah, podcast war. Our boys released an episode there. Uh, was it the sixth <laughs> of February? So I gave that a listen. Um, those guys are pretty funny. I'm gonna give them credit. I like I like their style. I like what they're doing. I, I love like that game too. too. I played that game, and it's fucking hilarious. No, but that, yeah, the pucks and deep. I got it right behind you there. Too. You yeah. played it with some buds. Oh yeah, I played I played <laughs> it there one uh, Friday night. There had a few nice. drinks and some laughs, and but uh, yeah, things are getting competitive because they now have decided to shift their focus to attacking the third and lowest pucks and deep podcast on the totem pole, the one that's about college hockey based that's in right. the United States. That's right. Um, I actually, I heeded their advice and I, I left a, uh, somewhat scathing, uh, review of the, uh, of the pucks in deep ECH everything college hockey podcast. I, I left a review. I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was something along the lines of, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Now this is the third pucks in deep podcast, the, the original, the, other one and now this one or something like that. this is becoming quite complicated so we're gonna need some legal representation so if you know a guy like a lawyer with big hands or like a Lionel Hutz type guy or if you're that type guy give us a shout we might need some help because this shit's getting competitive yeah everyone well you know what not only is it getting competitive let's go everyone just wants a piece of the pucks in deep brand and uh at this point I think we should just feel flattered that uh, that everybody wants to jump on board the train, so that when they say, you know, oh yeah, I run Pucks in Deep, maybe someday it'll, they'll be thinking it's ours, but it's not. It's Pucks <laughs> in Deep number two, and now in this case, Pucks in Deep bracket three, right, right, <laughs> right. Now there's now there's three. You can't save those top two on your desktop anymore. Um, yeah, so those boys. Uh, what, what did I want to say? Oh, um, one of the lads uh, <laughs> literally said, "quote." They literally sound better than us, end quote, <laughs> which I thought was a pretty telling, pretty damning evidence right there of, of, of the top podcast. They don't have that, uh, they don't have the Valley accent, the authentic Canadian sound that just br- like exudes authority in hockey, does it not? <laughs> I, I think that's the only area <laughs> of life where it exudes authority. You think so? Well, that and that Facebook uh, poll that I saw going around uh, a while back, I think it was around Christmas time or something, when they released that the Ottawa Valley accent is the sexiest accent. Yeah, thanks very much for right? that. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Maybe that explains a couple of my triumphs. Uh, in one my in my younger days, just ah, just gabbing south away. South of the border there. Just gabbing away. Getting busy. You know? All right. Where are you from? Oh, you're from Canada? You know, gabbing away. Oh, people know right away. Like when I was down in the Bahamas, people are calling me out about the accent all the time. I love it. I don't even get to hear it. You know, now Re- that we're on the topic. Regional dialect. Not, not, not to go too far off the rails or anything, but I've always, I've always wanted the ability to hear how I sound to, let's say, someone from the UK, England, right? I would like to hear myself from their 
perspective, much the way that I hear them. Oh, chip, jump, cheerio, you know, <laughs> like I'd like to hear myself from their perspective. And it's just something that we as human beings will literally never be able to do. We can pretend to, to do other accents. Like I just pretended to be British, right? Like they can probably pretend to be Canadian or American, but you know what I'm getting at? You'll never really truly understand how we sound because we just think we sound normal. Probably the best representation out there would be like Letterkenny. Or Bob and Doug McKenzie. Yeah, yeah. So it's just that, it's basically that stereotypical Canadian hoser type sound guy, It can't be that right? bad. Oh, it's not that bad because that's an exaggerated version of it, right? Right, right. So okay. It's not that bad. Like, we don't, <laughs> we don't sound that bad anyway. Let us know. Take off, um, eh? So our boys on the West Coast, though, they did talk about joining forces or something. So there could be a collaboration on the horizon. Maybe we call those boys up. You know, we do a little back and forth. I think we got to... We got to set something up with those guys. I agree. And I think that the 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 initial peace offerings uh, were a great idea. They sent, the, you know, them sending us a copy of their game and now us uh, sending out, you know, a couple of our mugs, um, you know, and the guy, the guy said, they promised us mugs and we haven't gotten <laughs> yeah. shit. Yeah. So which they've been ordered, boys. So yeah, they've been ordered. Calm your fucking titties. Uh, basically at this point, you know, you guys are lucky enough, I think to be on Amazon. Didn't we get the box at Amazon box? Yeah, man. Right. Straight up from Amazon. Straight up from Amazon. So like those boys, I mean, they're in California. They could probably just swing right over to Amazon office and drop it off. Oh yeah. Probably a couple know. tech boys. The one guy said he worked for a software company or something. Oh, okay. Anyway, but you're giving uh, them all the listens. Well, right they said now. something about advice to a pint if we're in the neighborhood too. Come on to the, said yeah. they were going to buy us one. Then tell us they suck. Boys, you buy me beers. You can tell me wherever the fuck you want. Yeah, true. You know? But maybe two or three beers because they will be American beers. Right, yeah. We're going to need two to three, four. No bush light. Straight <laughs> straight bush heavy. Bush. <laughs> and if you know what? like I, um, The company I work for has a R&D contract we're bidding on in partnership with uh, Lawrence Livermore Laboratories. Okay. Livermore, California, just about an hour outside of San Francisco. Oh, okay. I am trying to weasel my way into that fucking trip. Any way possible nice. if that contract does go through. That would be pretty sweet, man. You could take our brand down to the West Coast and... Go visit our chums. Visit the chums. Maybe that would make the hockey more fair because they suggested also taking us on in a game of shinny, which I don't That think, would be fantastic. That would be fantastic. I feel like yeah. we would dummy them. We would have excellent content for that. Somebody want to put up flights to California? Just let me know. Okay, yeah, any of our listeners mom? here that Mom, you yeah. listening? Hey, mom, you listening <laughs> over there? That's great. Um okay, yeah. So, you know what? If you can get down there as a part of your work gig, obviously you will have enough downtime to uh, you know, partake with a beverage with the boys. That would be hilarious um and amazing. Uh, but you know, for me, I'm not getting down there anytime soon. So, uh, if I ever get down there, I have Alex's email and I'll make sure to send him one and say, Hey, the Canadians are in town. Crack the beers. We'll bring some maple syrup and have a good breakfast. There you go. All right. Well, what's next, my man? You want to hit the ice? Yeah. Are we, uh, yeah. Did we have anything else? That fo- oh, oh, uh, oh, you, you mean you want to get to like hockey stuff? Yeah. Okay. I see what NHL, you mean. NHL hockey. Yeah, but I I thought we were gonna do biz nasty. I like I like. Oh yeah, I want. I haven't talked to you about. Yes, this, so which, I want to know if you're even. This up is in a crazy, middle. crazy thing. So I know that I noticed that they've gone back and forth, and like I followed Carcillo for a little bit. So for those of you just not up to speed on this, um, Dan Carcillo, we have talked about him on the show before. Um, he's really going at the league hard over CTE and 
these sorts of things. But he's also at the same time, great cause and everything. I appreciate what he's doing. And Biz said the same thing if you listen to the Chicklets episode from Monday. Yeah, I did. Where he kind of uh, just dressed down the whole situation. But Dan Scarcilla's biggest problem is that he feels the need to go at people all the time in order to make his points. Like, why does every every time he wants to make a point, and, and, and Biz kind of alluded to this as well, as like, why does he keep gotta keep dragging my name through the mud in an effort to make his point? And, we, and, and in the same breath, he's he's doing good work at, in, in a sense, right? It's a good cause of what this guy is, 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 the battle he's fighting. Now, I understand that, you know, he has been through hell and back, as, right. as, the, as the, it's been said and well-documented what the guy's been through. But I don't think it's really necessary to continuously go at people and aim to publicly humiliate people to make your point. So break down the timeline or at least help me confirm the timeline. So this this entire little biz nasty Paul Bissonette versus uh, Carbomb Daniel Carcillo, um, this whole thing kind of developed following the dismissal of Jeremy Roenick, correct? Yeah, because he took a run at them over that, and and he's been doing this for a while, taking runs at Barstool, calling them sexist or something, and uh, okay, somebody okay. fired back at at, at uh, Carcilla, making the point of uh, you know you're here you are going calling people sexist, and yet when they hired a female CEO or whatever, uh, oh, I saw sorry, that one, yeah, or CFO, I can't remember what her job title was, so apologies to me. Or to you guys on that. Apologies one. to me. Apologies to me. Nice to meet. Oh, me. I forgive myself. It's um, all good. So they hired one, and he, and Carcelo made some quip about it being a PR move, despite her excellent track record and growth of their company. Oh, I thought he called the. Oh, there were two things that he alluded to as PR moves. That and the the article, article that the Globe and Mail wrote about Bissonnette, about Bissonnette which yeah. also came out before the JR thing even happened. And was was done before that even yeah, happened. Yeah, so both of Carcillo's uh, finger wagging. He was just wrong. He was, he was wrong. just wrong outright, yeah. but yet continued to double down on that. And now I haven't checked my feed or checked in on that beef since I think it was Sunday where that, this morning, that shit hit this the fan. This morning, Carcillo tweeted, uh, Montador did not commit suicide. And it was originally hashtag, or it was originally uh, tagging Bissonette. Then he deleted that tweet and put out the exact same tweet, but the new one did not have uh, a tag for for Bissonette. So he basically just listened to their episode, and then you know started concocting tweets based on yeah, that. yeah, just that one because Carcillo's a hard read- guy to follow too because a lot of his shit is like ranty and kind of scatterbrained and not presented yeah nicely. No, you're right. You know what I mean. That's just that's just my perspective. No, on that. I I agree with that. But um, but yeah, he because like when he released that tweet about Montador earlier today about Mon- Steve Montador did not commit suicide, all in capital letters, uh, and it was there was a bunch of tags. It was at NHL at this at that at Biz Nasty two and then the second tweet didn't have Biz Nasty, so <laughs> immediately all the replies were, "Hey, what'd you do with the first tweet? What happened right. to the first tweet? I-, I thought this was directed at Biz Nasty." Blah blah blah. Everyone's tagging Biz Nasty, so like, okay, congratulations, uh, Daniel. You-, you you tweeted at Biz Nasty. You thought better of it, but it's way too fucking late because you've mm-hmm. opened Pandora's box. The worms are everywhere. Oh yeah, I mean he he invited the shitstorm right to his doorstep because. 
after uh, he had went at Bissonnette again on the weekend over the the puff piece there that uh, the Globe and Mail carried on him, Bissonnette basically just said, uh, enough of this shit, and decided to talk about some of the stuff that Carcillo did to him in the AHL. And mo- one of which was apparently referring to Bissonnette as the N-word throughout most of his first year playing together. And something about having a swastika embroidered on a shirt. Basically like, okay, yeah, on his robe. all right, gloves are coming off. Had enough of this shit. Here, everybody, chew on this, okay? And that's it. Like, I feel like... Well, welcome to the mud was the best it, part. Welcome to the mud was the perfect part. Okay, you want to play this game? You want to keep coming at me? And I don't blame Bissonette for doing that. And he's think of how long he sat on that. Yeah. When do you think they first played together? Like 15, 20 years ago? Yeah. Right? Did, like, did you read the tweet, the text messages back and forth between the two of them? I did not see that, no. Yeah, so one of them... Well, it was funny. Uh, Bissonette released, I think it was two screenshots of texts between him and, and Carcillo. And then Carcillo reposted the exact same pictures, except he didn't crop out the first half of Biz's message. Because on Biz's pictures... You could just see the end of his big long message, right? And then Daniel was like, "I just want to create. I just want to generate. Um, oh, I'm blanking on the word. I just wanted whatever. He's like, I just oh, uh, context. Sorry, context. Yeah. He said, I just want to. I just want to generate context for the for the readers. So like, it's almost like he's just welcoming this on. And I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about it, man. It's just a it's a really strange situation. And Carcillo immediately is not not coming off too too good here. The other thing I want to say too, let's go before I let you go. Uh, well, not let you go, but let you go off on it because I see you got, I see you got an idea. But I just think it's really strange that I don't know. I just I think it's really strange that Carcillo feels almost as if. That because he's apologized for those things, uh, Biz Nasty is not allowed to bring them up again. That's that's an interesting point because I've seen him when I was fo- following Carcillo online. He used that a lot because people were saying like, "Oh yeah, this guy's coming up with this," whereas I remember when he did this, and a lot of people immediately come at him with, "Well, you caused CTA and players with all your bullshit playing and blah blah blah." And he, and he, you know, he keeps referring to exactly what you said. I apologize for this. So therefore, stop talking about it. Carte blanche. I get to go and take runs at everyone for everyone else. Like, but even if it's not carte blanche, I think he's more so saying, "I don't want to talk about that right now." But but why does he have? To, and that goes back to my original point. Why does he insist on dragging other people through the mud? You know, you can go and and stand up for whatever you believe in and make your point without being a dick. We've talked about this before in many fronts, whether you're coaching or whether you're a uh, online personality heavy on analytics. Because there's a lot of people I've mentioned on this show before who I can't stand following them because I don't want to hear about how dumb everyone else is while you're yeah. trying to make your point. Yeah, true. You know. Well, I can't. There's a word for that in 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 debating terms. It's a condescending, I guess. Is is. No, I just mean there's like there, yeah, an actual word that encapsulates that whole idea. The whole idea of uh, it, it's like a you know something and something. It's something and something where you, uh, you you bring your opponent down while boosting yourself up, as opposed to just boosting yourself up. And if the judge of said debate believes that you also tore your opponent down, then it's a fucking two pointer. 
because you got yourself a great point, made some solid points and boosted your campaign up and you took them down. So that's a two pointer right there. You don't have to do both yourself. Right. I guess to sum it up, I mean, if you're interested, interested in this story, check it out, look it up. To me, it just seems like he's either trying to latch on to their platform in such a way. That's what I was that, thinking. That too. like, well, look at, they got a big audience. How can I divert more traffic my way? I'm just going to keep going at biz, especially because biz kind of, I would say, let him off the hook for a while. You know, like I said, how long do you think he's been sitting on that? And he even said in the episode on Monday, he said, I've been sitting on all kinds of shit. He's like, this is the tip of the iceberg type thing for this guy. Yeah, no doubt. So if you're interested in the story, check it out. Listen to this past Monday's episode, Spit and Checklist. Look them both up on Twitter and kind of see the madness that's been going on. But I am really interested to see if if there's a a pending truce. Um, I know apparently uh, Biz had reached out to him a number of times to try and kind of quell this thing but right it doesn't seem to be stopping anytime soon maybe we should try and piggyback off that platform as well you want to try and broker a piece maybe i no i just i don't know anything i remember that one time uh i was down in arizona and biz nasty whipped his dick out and flashed oh it to god me. <laughs> come on biz where are you at i just Jesus. you know you gotta you gotta come forth you gotta address these accusations nothing would put us on the map more than one RT from fucking Paul <laughs> <laughs> which I don't think he would be so uh, happy about doing, seeing as how he's got his own platform. Nope. We Not got one bit. We got common guests though, right? So they, they still haven't released that Caputi. That no, Caputi I'm one. I'm interested eh? to hear it. Me too. I keep, I keep refreshing every time they have a new one out there. I'm like, Oh, is it the Caputi interview? Does it, how does it compare to ours? And then it's not out there yet. So not too sure what's going on there. Um, you know, speaking about not too sure what's going on there, uh, a bit of a negative twist quickly, but let's talk about that Jay Bolmeister uh, incident. And the reason why I'm saying not sure where we're going from here is I did hear someone on the radio earlier today out of St. Louis uh, was speaking to the guys on NHL radio about the situation. And they were basically saying that at this point in time, the elephant in the room is the question as to whether or not Jay Bomeister is even going to be able to resume playing his NHL career. Now, of course, you know, as we all know, uh, Bomeister has been around for, for a long time, Lesko. He's a big veteran in this NHL, played many, many, many games. Obviously, at one point, I believe, was holding the Ironman streak as mm-hmm. well. And as a defenseman, that's pretty impressive. Uh, so Jay Bomeister, you know, played internationally as well. Uh, lots of success. The real question everyone's wondering is if he's going to be able to return. I think at this point, um, it's not arbitrary because it is his life. It is his career. But the fact that he's alive, doing well, and seems to be recovering uh, quite well is really the most important thing here. Yeah, it's the most important thing. And that's a scary moment in a hockey game. And interestingly enough, one of those injuries that really has nothing to do with, with hockey at all. It could have happened anywhere. Right. I mean, perhaps, you know, a heart issue more easily triggered in an adrenaline filled situation where your blood's pumping and you're yeah, fired sure, up. But he could have been doing something else. Right, exactly. So it's crazy that it even happened during an NHL hockey game. Uh, good on the NHL for canceling that game as it uh, as they should have and rescheduling that and, uh, you know, just all the best to, to the Blues and, and to Bo Mister and his family and you know, hopefully he's not done. I wouldn't be surprised if he is, just given where he's at in, in his career at this time. But, uh, I mean, that's the scary situation. You don't want to see that in any workplace, let alone on a national broadcast on TV. Yeah, and it happened uh, on a Tuesday night because I didn't find out about it until 
I got to Boston Pizza for, you know, after uh, after hockey beers with some of the guys and they were showing it on on the television screens in the restaurant and it was really strange. He was just, you know, he was on the bench and then all of a sudden he just you know, he just completely hunched over and I mean, it's really scary cuz you think it would more like it would be more likely that it would happen while you're actually on the ice moving around and whatnot. But then I guess if your heart continues to, to race and you're not feeling it on the bench and you're trying to calm yourself down, I guess that can really trigger it as well. So I guess a, um, a defibrillator was used as well. That's eh, correct. Time? Yeah. Which like, is basically bringing you back to life. Like, yeah. It's one of those things they teach you in first aid courses and you're like, you know, you really don't want to ever have to use it as they always tell you, but you really don't want to have to get one of those fuckers out. I mean, you're just planting electrodes into people. It's pretty intense. Yeah, I, I've never seen one myself personally, but uh, I, I know I have heard that they they do come equipped with like idiot proof instructions. Yes, they do. It actually like um, there's a recording that reads you the instruction, like walks you through the process, and, which is super necessary. And, and it's it's really good. I know that uh, in recent years they've become commonplace in hockey rinks and parks and things like that. Right. Um, you know, obviously where, where a cardiac uh, episode could be common, you could be far away from, from help in certain situations, uh, you know, given, given the circumstances. So I don't know. That's, that's a bit of it on that. I mean, it's just, just a sad story and, and really unfortunate for a guy who's, you know, basically a legend at this point yeah i mean and obviously we'll uh we'll continue to monitor the situation see if bomis was able to make a return to the nhl um but no easy segue um the sends game on the weekend i wanted to get into that a little bit you had you didn't have the opportunity to get down eh? no i did not get down from that after what they put us through last year when i went to both <laughs> games in ottawa and they were the worst games i had seen all season i wasn't shelling out the dough to go on Saturday night. And I was the exact opposite. I shelled out the most amount of dough I've ever spent on any hockey game ever, including really? Leaf playoffs. Wow. <laughs> um, but a lot of it for me was the Sheldon factor, um, you know, being involved with the team when Sheldon was was here. But somehow you missed out on that that free ride and box to the game. Yeah, I well, I wasn't included on the initial invitation. Now, ah. I, what, what makes me excited, though, is that, you know, for starters, do I believe that Sheldon Keefe would put Josh Coleman on his list? No. <laughs> no, I'm not. But, um, you know, that is neither here nor there because I did learn that Sheldon put the uh, logistics into the care and control of the then game day operations manager for the Kings. And her name is Marianne and she's a lovely, she's a lovely woman, but she was kind of coming towards the end of her time with the team as I was beginning. So again, like I'm not the kind of person that's going to jump out and be on her list in terms of the broadcasters, right? right. right? It, it, the broadcasters would be Jeff Patterson and they'd yeah. be Rich Shapu. You know, yeah. both of those gentlemen received invitations. They do home games, road games. I just do the home games. So yeah. my connection with Sheldon is awesome and everything, but it's not like I, you know, know. So you him. did get a chance to speak with him though. No, I didn't get a chance to speak with him. So I, unfortunately, my contact who was keeping me abreast of where Sheldon was and when <laughs> and where to go and what time to be there, right. um, he got to me, I'd say maybe two or three minutes too late. So by the time I left my seat and got to the second hundred level, because that's where the suites were, I also think I would have made it in time if the suite was in the hundred level. Come on, Sheldon. Uh, but the funny thing is, let's go is the actual MLSE has two suites adjoining. Okay. 
216A and 216B right. are MLS suites. So now I know that for the future, which means I'm going to be... I'm going to be maybe just going to hover around, maybe hover doors. around that area just to see what's up, you know, in the right. future. But anyway, um, yeah, so they have two suites there. I had to go from our seats in the hundred level section. We were right behind the Leafs tunnel, first row above the Leafs tunnel. Which is an awesome spot. Unbelievable to be, yeah. seats. Uh, yeah. You know, ch- not chatting, but basically chatting at Freddie Anderson all night. <laughs> uh, you know, Jack Campbell would come over and they would chat and I'd be yelling at Campbell and it was a lot of fun, man. But Anyways, uh, just quickly on the Sheldon thing, uh, my message was, you know, come to 216A. He's in here right now. He's talking to everybody. So we rush up. But by the time we got there, he was just being whisked away. Yeah, probably in his media or something to do. And I say whisked because that's the only word that I can use to fully and properly describe how they moved him around. I'm telling you right now. So he's surrounded probably. You would have thought that he was the president of the United States. Yeah. Like, here comes POTUS. You know, there was two security guards in front. Then it was Sheldon and some other dude. Then right behind them, the first lady, his wife, Jackie, and some other PR guy. And everyone is like quickly chatting amongst each other. And they're walking really quickly. And it was just like, he went into the other suite. Because like I said, they had two, right? So he went to 216A. Then he went over to say hi to 216B. And like, I could have maybe tried to kind of get in and amongst the area. And I was just like, nope. I was like, not after I just saw that. So yeah. when, when he first came Someone up the tunnel. Someone else guys going to punch you out if you yeah. go near him. <laughs> when he first came up the tunnel, uh, like we were facing each other, walking in opposite directions. And I said, hey, Sheldon, how are you? And he like he looked right at me for sure. And then it was an interesting thing where I, I, can't, I can't confirm or deny if he knew who I was. <laughs> I can't. Cool story, bro. <laughs> no, I can't. Well, it's this is very anticlimactic. No, but it's an interesting story. No, I know. Like I know. The, the the people that are listening that are familiar with the with the scenario are are gonna enjoy it because it's like I'm the kind of guy that just loves the fact that I know him. Like whenever Sheldon right. is on the screen, I go, I know him. You know? Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, he kind of looked at me, and there was definitely a little bit of a a moment there where he he was like, oh, like I think I know this person, but then it was just like it was too late. It was too yeah. late. Everyone, oh, he's all business. Too, yeah, right? everyone he's, was he's already working. walking away, and I was like, "That was cool enough. I don't even fucking care." And then you know, we went back to our seats and and had a really uh, had a really great time. It was Kirsty's first uh, Toronto game. She's been to two already. One of them was Edmonton, and another one was I think Washington, maybe. And she had said that like they were kind of boring, and I said, "Yeah, babe, but that's because like we're in Ottawa, you know." And I, I was like, "The the Leaf games, if 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 I ever if you're ever lucky enough to let me take you to a Leaf game, <laughs> uh, it'll be great." So of course it was you know Valentine's Day. We went down a day early and had dinner and you know spent the day at an, uh, we got a nice Airbnb in Canada. It was nice. It was a nice little little getaway just up the road to Ottawa. But uh, she like she immediately like I think the game wasn't even half over, and she was like, "This is." awesome she says she's like well, it was so blue in there so too fun. like it was so it's rocking in there right and then and the the leaf fans that we've talked about this before the leaf fans that turn up at those road games in ottawa you know most of them are from probably from this area and don't get to see them very often no. or you made the trip with your boys and you're right fired up for the game and there's no suits there dude like there's no no there's I, nothing i know that you know earlier this season right here on the on the pucks and d podcast i was saying that i i like what i see in Toronto, I think there's more jerseys and there's less suits and, and fans are more, you know, in their seats at the start of the period instead of taking 11 minutes to show up. Uh, but still, when you come to Ottawa, there are literally no suits, like none. 
because all of us, we just go out there and, and, and spend an arm and a leg and buy the tickets, whether it's at the box office, because Toronto is a platinum level team. They're the only team in that hey, level. Is their only sellout? So far this season, that's what I'm saying. Only sellout, which and is surprising because typically I thought when Montreal was there, they'd fill it, fill the barn. But yeah, but Montreal's no good either. Well, yeah, that could play into it as well. Um, really cool uh, about Sheldon Keefe though, and, and nice gesture of him to bring up some of the Lumber Kings' longtime volunteers and people who really made an impact on his career. I mean, he, this is where he got started, and he talked about you know people here giving him an opportunity and a, a lease on a new lease on life, so to speak. So I thought that was really neat how he, he, how he did that for everybody and brought them down. And he even showed off his jacket there on, on television, on the broadcast that was uh, the inside lining of his coat had the Sault Ste. Marie uh, Greyhounds logos along with the Pembroke Lumber King logos and uh, did talk about it a little bit in his pregame interview. So yeah, that was really cool. That was a really cool shout out. He's, he's kind of putting us on the map and I mean, it, it, a lot of people might not understand what he means to this community. Not only that he brought winning to the to the franchise, but there are people I know who are Sheldon Keefe fans. As in, they've been following him ever since he left. And I know people who are lifetime or like longtime Ottawa Senators fans that have basically converted on the basis that Ottawa hasn't been doing very good and that Keefe now coaches the Leafs. Keefe coaches the I've Leafs. I've seen Senators fans wearing Leafs gear and I asked them, oh, what's going on here? Like you jumping on the bandwagon. They're like, I'm a Keefe fan. Yeah, and that's you know? fair. And that's really cool. And that's, that's fair. That's really cool. It just kind of shows you, you that? well, it shows you the impact that he had on this community and, and it's very nice to hear him talk about the impact the community has had on him. Yeah, it is. It's it's a really cool thing, and and you mentioned that he was putting us on the map, and he he's been doing that ever since he came here and left, and even 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 in his absence, he continues to put us on the map with with the fact that he gets the job as Toronto Maple Leaf head coach. I don't think it's this big a deal, Lesko, if he becomes the head coach of the Minnesota Wild or the Arizona Coyotes, or you know what I mean. I like, guess it's, it carries a bit more significance that sure. he's that he's still like you know, down the highway, so to speak, and, and, and with a popular team and a, uh, you know, a meaningful franchise that's in our area. But I, I, you know, I think, you know, people would still kind of react the same way, but it's, it's just nice that he's, you know, somewhat in the neighborhood still, right? Yeah, absolutely. Still in Ontario, I guess. Um, just lastly on that game, can I, can I interest you in me explaining why the most exciting part of the game was the second Ottawa goal. And, and 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 then I can further explain to you, if you're interested, why the fuck I was cheering for the second Ottawa goal. Yeah, because I'm disgusted. So, care to elaborate? Yeah, I, I'll try to not drag it on too long. So, basically, we're sitting there. It's 3-1 Leafs. The third deck is rowdy as fuck in the away end. So, down to my right. And they're getting a wave going. And the wave is actually doing pretty well in the 300s. It has at least a rotation and then another rotation. So the guy, two seats over, who also, by the way, ruined Jack Campbell's shutout, <laughs> fucking leans over and he goes, man, this is so sick. What a game this is. I go, yeah, man, this is great. Campbell's playing unreal. He goes, yeah, imagine if he got the shutout. <laughs> eight seconds later, Ottawa scores. Literally, oh, no man. joke, eight seconds later. I think we were almost I'm not talking to you anymore. making <laughs> eye contact while he did it. I yelled at him. I said, I said, I don't even believe in that shit, but I'm blaming you because of you said that. He goes, yeah, it's my fault. Anyway, so this guy, 
He jumps up and does the wave. He's like, yeah, come on. And I go, I go, bro, you're not getting the hundies into the wave. I, I don't, I don't think you're getting the hundies into the wave. Well, I ate those words about 15 seconds later, because as it came back around, you got to remember, I told you the right side was the loud side. So they really helped get that end of the building involved. Right. And as you know, the building is like an oval shape, right? So if you can get one end Maybe it'll it'll feed out the rest of the way. And that's exactly what it did. So it came around and all three fucking levels were on board. I've never seen a wave in person. I've seen a couple waves, but I, I have never seen a wave either in person or on TV that, that was as good as this one. The whole building was waving and it was coming down the line and I fucking jumped up and everyone in the section, Sense fans included, everyone, everyone's on board. Everyone was on board and we were all yelling and laughing. We weren't even watching the fucking play. We were all yelling and laughing. We we're going, this is the best wave we've ever seen. And then it was coming back around again and it was going so fast. Let's go. Like it was unnaturally fast. Everyone was excited to do it. So it was going around real crazy. And as it came around for the second full amazing rotation i jumped in the air and faced away from the ice and went yeah like here we go again and me fucking ottawa scores so you look like the biggest dummy well not me i'm I'm, fuck we're talking at least my whole quarter of the building right right Right, my so, whole so how quickly do you pull your arms down? And just sit down quietly. That's the next part You're of like, my story. <laughs> That's the next part of my story. I was so high on the best wave I'd seen since 1995. I was so high on it that I just fucking kept going. And you know they play their woohoo, right? Yeah, I was just fucking woohoo. Like, but you're still like participating in the wave. So I would have shut it down. Yeah, by I know. It was just it was it hit me so hard because I wasn't even looking at the ice. I was looking away. I was looking at the fans, and the fans, you know, basically showed me that Ottawa scored because a lot of the fans were like, "Oh, you know," and they sit down, and I'm fucking cheering still, and I was just I was a little I was a little liquored up. Yeah, and bad. I was just fucking cheering, and this one Leaf fan a couple of rows above me goes, "What are you doing?" <laughs> And I yelled back, I go, I'm embracing it. I'm embracing it. And it was just like, it was just, ah, what a fucking experience, man. Like, I'm serious. I was having so much fun in that moment. Oh, man. I always have a blast at those games when they win. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's usually fun throughout if they're at least playing well. But like last year, I didn't even have that good of a time. No, they like, were well, shit a good, games. Okay, so that's well, we went life. to one together, I had right? a good time hanging out with my boys and having yeah. some beers, but I had a bad time watching the hockey. The game was shit. Right. Both games I went to last year. Yeah, well, so we, now, went, we went to one of them together, I'm didn't we, like, last year? But even when I saw the crowd, though, this Saturday, I was I was a little like, ah, I kind of wish I was there. I had a little, especially when they got off to an early start, too. I'm like, oh, of course they're going to play good. I'm not there. Poppy. Right? My buddy Hendy uh, texted me while I was sitting there, like just a couple minutes before puck drop. He says, I'm thinking about putting a, a cold a cold G on the Sens because you're there. <laughs> and I said, you know, that's not a bad bet. I said, it's not a bad bet. But the reason why I felt that it was a bad bet, and of course, this was before the puck drop, I said, the boys are going to win this one for Sheldon. This is a big big game for Sheldon. It's very strange. I don't think that happens very often. Let's go. You know, that happens with players, right? They say, Oh, I really want to beat Anaheim because I used to play there and they traded me. I don't think coaches really, 
you know, maybe the first game where Bruce Boudreaux coaches against the Wild. Right. You know, that one he might put a $1,000 on the board or something like that. But this one was different because, like you said before, and not to bring it back up again, but this is the area where his second life as a coach began. And, you know, until he retires as a coach or or dies as a human being that's going to be that's going to be his 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 game right from now until then uh which is a really long time so uh it's really important for the community like you mentioned and it was a really important game for the coach and uh I thought the players did a pretty good job Campbell was really really solid and uh yeah Poppy scores early it was uh, it was a lot of fun, man. Just yelling at the boys on the bench after their shifts and during the TV timeouts, like not having any glass in between me and that end of the yeah, bench. Yeah, you get to hear a little bit about what's going on and what's being said, which is pretty. Uh, yeah, awesome. Yeah, a little yeah. bit, but the music is too loud right, in the arena. Right. But sometimes, yes, yeah, yeah, sometimes that, that's that's pretty cool. But it's they just, can hear you me. You can just watch the bench and kind of see what's going on a little yeah. more, and and they can hear me, which is the important. Yeah, thing. there you go. Yeah, <laughs> of course, that's the most important part. I think the coolest part, just lastly before we move on, I think the coolest part though, dude, was the end of the game when they were announcing the three stars jack campbell got second star and actually came out oh he actually came out because yeah. usually they don't in the right. away barns but ne- i mean with fans like that why not exactly so nylander didn't and he was the first star uh craig anderson who actually came in in relief and was perfect in relief including a fucking 10 bell times 100 oh, that, save on that Hyman. old school save was awesome that was amazing yeah. anyways um Fuck, where was I going? Oh, yeah. Uh, second star, Jack Campbell. He comes out, dude. And as he's skating off, he is being like, you know, when a pitcher comes off in the playoffs and everyone is cheering for him right above the dugout, right above the dugout, they're tipping their caps to him and they're giving him a standing ovation. And he, he you know, he says his good nights as he goes underneath, pitched a gem of a game, getting pulled. Well, in this instance, it was was a great goaltender, gem of a game, second star. He's coming off the ice, and we are fucking giving it to him, dude. And you should have seen the smile on his face. Oh, that guy looks just so happy to be there. Like, he was looking up at us, and he was just, like, awestruck. And then they interviewed him afterwards, and in his interview afterwards, he was like, I've never experienced anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, like, and a road barn. I know he's really <laughs> impressed by that. And we'll get into Jack so Campbell sweet. a little bit more later. Um, just kind of evalu- evaluate that trade since we did not have the opportunity to do so last week. And, uh, you know, I think we got a lot to say on the Leafs given their current predicament. But uh, I did want to get into some other news around the NHL, namely Fake Trade Center Day, which is essentially today. They were just coming fast. I couldn't stay out of the the notes, like the prep notes for today's episode, because every time I went onto Twitter, there was another fucking trade. trade. (laughs) And I actually meant to check before the show, just in case something else happened, because it's been been a crazy day. Trades in deep. Yeah. Like lots, <laughs> lot getting the trades in, and I, I think it was O Dog who tweeted out like, "Can't wait for Trade Center," <laughs> like because it's been bad for quite a few years now. Like it, it does not need to be a an eight hour program all no. day, but they still do it. They should, though. and it, you know why? Because they get the ratings. Like yeah. people are just putting it on in the background and just you know looking at it when they're in their living room or on their work uh, at their workstation or whatever. Yeah. So I don't blame them if they're getting ratings. There's no sense well, in quitting. Right? I know I'll have it on. Yeah, I'll, I'll, ha- I'll have it on too. But I'll have not... my phone plugged in so and I have battery and I'll have it on. The funny thing is, like, it's terrible TV for the most part. It is. They're like, well, uh, we'll go over to Gord and Ray and see what they have to say. Well, you know, it's uh, not a lot going on here. Uh, what do you got, Bob? Not much. <laughs> and they're just like this on their phones. I know. Like they're just, just like, looking at their phones. Give phone. me something. Give me something. You, it look like Drager's trying to make it look like he's breaking a trade, but he's just like breaking his personal record on Candy Crush. 
or something like that. Like, yeah, he's actually just playing some games instead. Yeah, he's playing playing Angry Birds yeah. or some shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fuck, I missed the power up. Oh, I mean, no, uh, they're going to really fix up the power play by the acquisition <laughs> of Tyler Toffoli. So, yeah, so, I, uh, I guess we'll, I'll, I'll just dive into a couple of the trades that happened uh, just this past weekend, I guess. Um, one of the interesting ones was Blake Coleman, uh, your all-time fave, going boy. down to Tampa Bay for a first-round pick and Nolan Foote. Represent that overpayment. I mean, hey, like... <laughs> That's this guy's a, a value contract, okay? Now, I don't think he's going to have a, 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 as big of an impact maybe necessarily in Tampa Bay as, say, he did in New Jersey, but that's, I think, to a role change, right? Well, yes. I mean, New Jersey is a terrible team. Tampa Bay is an amazing team. New Jersey's first-line player is very likely to not be maybe even on Tampa's team. <laughs> I'm just, or on yeah on Tampa's team. I'm just kidding, obviously tongue in cheek. Coleman is a good player, but yes, that's exactly right, and that's the note I put into the prep as well. Everyone's rushing to pick this guy up in fantasy. Uh, sorry, pipes. I know you're listening, buddy. He's not going to be happy that I'm dissing him right now, but you got to be careful with that. Like he's moving from, you know, uh, what did he play? Is he winger? Is he right winger? I he's a like winger. He, yeah. yeah, he played. So he played plays, power play. He so was he plays playing top R, six. Yeah. So he plays R one. Yeah. And PP1. And he's going to be a depth player in Tampa. And PK1. Okay. Okay, so he's playing number one units on uh, across the board. So he's playing 20 plus minutes a game. Easy. Now on Tampa, he's going to be R3. He's going to be, I don't know if he'll be on the PP. It'll be tough to... It'll be tough to take it away from him, but he doesn't do a, a whole lot of his scoring on the power play, anyways. Let's right. go. Um, so I don't want I want to preface that because not to say that he does everything on the power play, but he's just not going to get the looks. He's not. He's not going to get the looks. Now that being said, you might argue that him not getting the the number one looks means that he's not going to see the top D pairings from the other team, right. and that's a very fair point. So if you got a skilled guy on your bottom six that is going to you know spend you know, maybe 13, 14 minutes on the ice and, and eight to nine of those minutes are going to be against D three D pairing three. I think that that's actually a pretty nice trade-off. So I, I don't really know. I'll have to see, but I I'd be, I'd be buyer beware on picking him up just because a good player got traded to Tampa Bay. I mean, it's just, his ice time is going to drop significantly. And a really interesting trade, and, and it sounds like he was one of the highly sought-after guys once he hit the open market. I know Edmonton was going hard at him, but did not want to pay the first-round pick price, and it sounds like that might have scared away a number of clubs, especially if you're a team that's you know on the fringe of the playoffs. Tampa Bay's not in that situation. They are all in, and as and they made it very clear when they made this trade. Yeah, and I mean, when you look at, you look at the return, and you say a first-round pick and Nolan Foot. So, I think what's more important here is Nolan Foot because the first round pick is awesome, but we all know it's going to be late. It's going to be late first round pick, but a first round pick is a first round pick, yeah. right? So, you hope that your scouts can go to bat for you and, and get the job done as far as scouting a top end talent. But that draft pick is still just what do they call it? Let's go a, a dart on the board, it's crap right? Shoot. It's a dart on the board. So yeah. if you can have 20 darts on the board, the, the likelihood that you're going to hit a bullseye is obviously greater because you have 20 darts. Yeah, and I'm not uh, sure what the percentages are. I know there are numbers out there that quantify the likelihood of a first-round pick and where they are picked and the likelihood of them playing in the NHL. I believe for a second-rounder, it's like 25%. Oh, okay. 
All right. Well, that's pretty good. It's, it's a way of ascribing a value. I see. I see. But what I was getting at is with Nolan Foote, he's not just a, he's not just another arrow in the quiver. It's you, a ta- you tangible act, asset. You actually know what you're getting right. uh, with a guy like Nolan Foote. And I think the return for New Jersey is great. Uh, I think them hanging on to Blake Coleman until he walks to UFA uh, I think it's just a really smart move by New Jersey at this point in time because the asset in Blake Coleman, as you mentioned, with term on his on his deal, what is it, 1.8? I want to say it's 1.8 maybe. Yeah, it's very, Next very year. costly, about 1.8 for another year. So yeah. it's a good deal for Tampa. You get somebody with term. You're not just buying a rental here. And then you're getting could, a guy that competes, man. Yeah, absolutely. He's he brings a Coleman. It every night. He's you a Coleman. Mean, he brings it every both night. Both ends of the ice too, so... And they also traded, managed to trade away Andy Green to the New York Islanders. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're not done. It sounds like Kyle Palmieri is being shopped as well. Fuck, for all we know, he's already been traded. So good on New Jersey. They're loading up. You know, they're 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 hitting the reset button, so to speak. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's more moves to come. Yeah, you're right. We probably should have Twitter up right now, eh? Probably should be hitting the refresh button a couple times. Um, <laughs> one of the other trades that did not take place today was the Pittsburgh Penguins acquisition of... Zucker from Minnesota. Uh, great pickup, great winger. Uh, I believe he scored 30 goals one time, I want to say. I think so, yeah. Yeah, and uh, that, that's just a typical that's a typical Rutherford move. Eh? Like this guy, he knows what he's doing out there. And interestingly enough, what went back the other way was Alex Galchenyuk, who they acquired in the Phil Kessel trade. So yeah. here's him going, ah, okay, fuck it. This didn't work out well. Bad trade by me. Package them up, get them out of here, and getting a pretty decent return. Now, they did have to package assets with Galchenyuk in order to do this. So this is almost a dump of a Galchenyuk. I think so. Yeah, yeah. we'll give him you, or we'll, uh, Mini says we'll take him, but give us the first. And then they also gave up a D prospect in Kalen, Kalen Addison, who I believe is pretty high on their prospect chart when it comes to defensemen. Yeah, it's you know almost similar to, uh, you can almost hearken it as a penalty of sorts. <laughs> sort you of, know, when you're doing that baggage. When you're doing that cap dump almost, yeah. you got to sweeten the pot. And they're basically like, we got no place for this guy. And, and I, you got to wonder, Galchenyuk's turning into a bit of a suitcase if there's not more than just on-ice performance um, involved here. Yeah, I don't think, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, uh, actually, I think the term that I used was bum. I think I said Galchenyuk <laughs> is a bum, um, but you know, I mean, obviously, meaning that tongue in cheek uh, when you know when a player is either no longer producing anymore. Um, you know, lots of people used to call Kovalchuk a bum when he was playing in L.A. I know you want to talk about him in a little bit, but you know, guys like that they can re- they can be rejuvenated, I guess, of sorts. But we'll have to see what becomes of Alex Galchenyuk. But uh, you know, Zucker, kind of the exact opposite of Coleman, where. I don't know if I'm rushing to the waiver wire to pick up Blake Coleman because he's a lightning now. Uh, I think I'd rather go and pick up Zucker because he plays with Sidney Crosby. Yeah, he's immediately gonna play immediate top six. That's and not Blake Coleman. Blake Coleman's not going to play. He's a fast winger. He's got a lot of upside. He's got a lot of offensive skills. So that's that's a great pickup, I think, and it might signal that Minnesota is finally selling. Like they're finally kind of admitting where they are and actually taking steps to 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 maybe plan for ahead for next year for once because they always seem to be very quiet you know we've we've talked about this when we have brought them up in the past that they've been middling forever and i think it's interesting that they've made a move that might signify that there are more assets to go i know i think bill garen specifically did say don't take this as a fire sale scenario but i mean you gotta you gotta look yourself in the mirror and and 
determine where you are and where you're at. And they're nowhere near a playoff spot. Yeah, I, I've been saying it for years. I think it's it's uh, it's no longer quite as valid as it used to be, maybe three, four, five years ago. But I always said the the Minnesota Wild are the Columbus Blue Jackets of the West, in the sense that they're there. They might even make the playoffs. Actually, they probably will make the playoffs, right. lose in the first round, and be done with it. Yeah. And they just continued to do that. Uh, kind of like uh, the Vancouver Canucks circa 2013, 2014, like after the run to the finals, right? where they tried to remain relevant and, and it and couldn't, didn't yeah. really work out so well. Yeah, Blue Jays did it a lot. Blue Jays tried to remain relevant for so long and it didn't really happen. I know that their playoff thing is a little different and more yeah. difficult, yada, yada, yada. But the point is, is that they were just, like in an endless cycle of like we're 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 not gonna win this year. We know it. We might be okay. Oh look, playoffs not we're out again. Let's right, just try right. and do it all again next year. So Columbus last year, they pull all the triggers. They go out they go all out for it. Right? They were in a position to to do to do so and we were all wondering if they were gonna pull out or continue on. Well they continued on and they, they, they made the trades and they but they or sorry, they held on to guys and they continued on, right? Now, the Minnesota Wild, they're not nearly in the same position as the Jackets were in the sense that they're several points out. What are they, five points out, six points out? Like, I don't even know. I don't have the standings in front of me, but they're out. Like, they're, I think they're fifth or sixth in, in the wild card standing. So it's not looking very good for them. Last year, the Jackets were in the hunt and they doubled down and it worked. They swept the Lightning, but of course, we all know what happened after that. Yeah. But what, you know, the decisions that they made, Yekalainen. He made a tough decision, and I liked it. And now the Minnesota Wild, let's say they were a point or two out. I would also like it if they said, no, we're going to go for it. We're going to go and acquire all these players you know, and, and spend all these picks. I would like that from an, like, an interesting point of view. Like, oh, this is interesting. They're fucking going for it. I think it's going to crash and burn. But it's much better for the organization that they finally said, man, enough is enough. No more middling. We're getting the fuck out of here. I hope that that's what they're doing. And I really wonder if the firing of Bruce Boudreaux is just another domino to fall in that sense where they don't want to be doing much winning for the remainder of the season. Right, yeah. Before we get into some of the more recent trades that happened today and last night, I did want to segue into that Boudreaux firing. Um, I thought it was one of the more shocking ones, maybe outside of of, uh, Gallant heading out of uh, Vegas. But talk about a situation where once I read the Russell article, and if you haven't checked out uh, Michael Russell's article in The Athletic where he actually sat down for two hours with Bruce Brujo, and Brucey was as honest as can be. I mean, the guy's a, always a good interview, but this was, this was above and beyond, you might say, and, and produced a, an excellent exclusive piece of content for them. Uh, it, at first, I was very confused because I was like, why not let this guy finish out the year, right? Like, it's not like a situation where like, oh, this guy's a cancer in a room and we can't let him be around our young guys that we're going to bring up or something like that. They don't want to win anymore. We're talking about a wonderful tenured coach. So pulling the plug on on him at this time seems a bit surprising. And what's interesting, if you read the piece in The Athletic, is that Bruce went into this situation or went into this season knowing, I'm going to be gone at some point. Right. He figured that was what was going to happen. But it seemed that this late in the game, he might have been caught off guard. 
And his direct response to Bill Guerin when he came in to tell him he was getting axed was, are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? I did read that, yeah. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. And and one of the other cool tidbits that was in that article was Bruce saying, well, I've never been unemployed for more than a week going back to 2004 when I started coaching in the NHL. Right. If you recall when he was fired from Washington, Anaheim brought him in right away. That's right. He's fired from Anaheim. He's brought into Minnesota right away. So... He did allude to, hey, maybe it'd be cool if I could get into a media gig with Sportsnet or TSN or something like oh, that. Oh, he'd be unreal. Man, I would love to see him on a panel. Me too. I mean, I would rather see him behind the bench. I think so. And, and you But can I'd tell, love to see him on a panel too. You can tell by the way he's saying, he's like, all I know is coaching. All I do is coach. I go in on my days off. And, and what was kind of interesting is it really gave a glimpse into the behind the scenes of what these people go through emotionally. Sometimes you forget they're people and you forget they have living situations and families and stuff like that. And another interesting part of the article was that he's like, we don't have a summer home. We don't have a forever home. We're just settled in Minnesota. He's like, we like it here. We're comfortable. So it makes it all the much harder to, to digest the situation. But in the same breath though, you can't like, it's tough to accept that point from Bruce knowing that, Hey man, like you're an NHL coach, you you are going to be fired. So it's yeah, not, it's not like he said, "Oh, I want to live in Minnesota for the rest of my life." Like it's not up to you, you know. I mean, I guess it kind of is, but it, at the end of the day, it's not really up to you, Lesko. I mean, yeah, and he and he you're the first guy to go. Too, yeah, you're yeah. the first guy to go. Speaking of the human aspect, and not to go too far off, I don't know if you were done on Bruce or not, but I just wanted to touch when you said, you know, you don't often get a chance to see how human it is. Did you see the uh, post game interview with Brendan Dillon after the Sharks game? When they yeah, because they asked him about he was traded today. Yeah, they asked him about what his like um, how he felt how, or something. How about, do you feel your name's in the trade? It might rumors. be the, your last game as a shark or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and he, he cried. Could, yeah, like he cried. He said, "I, I, I don't even, I don't even know what he said." He said, I, "It's tough." He said, "I don't want, really want to talk about it." And then he just said, "Sorry, guys," and and fucked right off. I don't care. She was like, "Is that guy crying?" Like she just didn't know what I was watching. I said, "Yeah, he, it's trade. You know, the trade deadline's coming up and." Like, man, we talk about it every year. And and at some point, every media outlet, podcast, radio, TV, whatever it is, they will all touch on it. You know, it's it, it's a tough time because you're as a player, you're wondering if you're in the rumors, if you're not. Sometimes, you know, rumors are so so abound, Lesko, that it's it's almost impossible to ignore it. But even if you're not in the trade rumors, are you still not, you know, going to the rink and coming home every day, just kind of wondering if you're if you're going to be there again tomorrow? I, I don't think you think about it. And you can't really do that to yourself from a mental standpoint, right? Like you, you can't walk on eggshells all the time. It's not good for you. No. I mean, some guys might do it, yeah. but it, it's really, you know, it's as they say in the in their interviews, like, no, it's take it day by day, and I'm a member of this team, and that's all I'm focused on. And right, but that's what they say. But we got a pretty good look at what they really feel. I think from I, Brendan Dillon, absolutely, and and I think given the circumstances, uh, you know, him being a pending UFA, and the fact that you know the Sharks are clearly out of it, this is probably a feeling or situation that he or many people on the San Jose organization haven't had to deal with. All right, they haven't been sellers ever that I can think of. No, right? Not recently. And like Brendan Dillon's been there for five years and been through a lot with that team, a lot of deep playoff runs. That's a tough, that's tough to go. They're fucked. Oh, they're so fucked. So um, Brendan Dillon was traded today for a second and a fourth, I believe, to the Washington Capitals. Great pickup by them. 
they just got bigger and tougher, did they yeah, not? Yeah, absolutely. Which, I mean, that's pretty much how you would generally describe that team to begin with. Yeah, and skilled. And skilled. Big, and tough, and skilled. Big, tough, imposing skill. Total package, right? Great. Yeah, great. Can't wait. Can't wait to play those guys again, which I believe <laughs> Leafs play them soonly. <laughs> soonly. <laughs> we play all the good teams All the good soon-ly. teams, yeah. We will get into more on that later before we fucking flip our shit and start pooping diapers here uh so last night i believe it was vancouver made a move to acquire tyler Toffoli from the la kings um quite the price actually that the la kings managed to get uh tim schaller who i believe was a bit of a cap dump uh 1.8 million i believe off the books for vancouver there uh prospect tyler madden and a second and fourth rounders now i thought this was interesting because uh vancouver being you know, in that in the meat of the pack, in you know, you could say they're in that bubble right now. They sit sit sixth in the Western Conference, not by much. Obviously, they have Calgary and Arizona right on their tail, but I think they also recognize that the Pacific Division is still wide open. And the news that came out today really justifies, I think, the move they made when it originally it sounded like a head scratcher. Furlan's done for the year. It sounds like Josh Levo's done for the year. And Brock Besser now, apparently who was only going to be out for a few weeks, is now going to be out for the season. Yeah, that's right. And you talk about the um, lack of points, I guess is really what you can call it, lack of points in the Pacific Division. The leader of that division is 70 points. Um, so they're, you know, they're, they're, they're trailing the, the rest of the divisions, no doubt. Uh, and then that's Edmonton that leads the division. They're tied with Vegas, those two teams at 70 points but vancouver right there in third with 69 and then of course you throw in calgary and arizona they both have 68 so there's a lot of teams here just trying to get to the dance anyone can win the division anyone can win the no division at this point. Yet. and another big thing that just came down the pipe today let's go is that oscar clefbaum is on the shelf and i forget for how long it's going to be but it's a significant period of time i think it's a couple weeks at least for oscar clefbaum now an interesting point they were making on the radio and i remember them talking about this way back when i think it was last year when clefbaum went down with a major injury he was out for a couple months i think almost and their record without him was abysmal like horrible but then when their record with him in the lineup it was well above 500 now i know we're not just talking about this one player that can make a huge difference but when the numbers are like that let's go it does make you wonder that's it it makes you wonder how important is this guy they fucking can't seem to win without him and whenever he is in they can win no problem so what's the big deal here we're gonna find out we're gonna find out now because mcdavid is out and now clef bomb is out Last year, they had Clefbaum out, McDavid in, and they couldn't fucking win any games. Right now, up until today, they've had McDavid out and Clefbaum in, and they've been doing okay. Hey, Dreisaitl has stepped up. Oh, 10 points yeah. in four games? Yeah, like, absolutely. Dreisaitl has wow. stepped up. But I'm really couldn't wondering... Ask any more of that guy. I'm really wondering what the fallout is going to be in terms of the standings for the remainder of time that clef bomb is out i'm really really interested to know and i wonder if it's going to help facilitate some sort of move from the oilers because now that vancouver has acquired some more goal scoring it's you know it's easy to imagine they're already plus 11 in their goal goals for goals against differential which is the best 
uh, in the division as well. So you have to imagine that they're probably only going to increase upon that number, which means they're going to pose a bigger threat to the Oilers. So the Oilers are going to have to figure something out here, whether they're going to be able to promote from within. I don't know the depth of their organization or whether they're going to have to pull off a trade to try and, you know, make up for the absence of Oscar Clefbaum on the back end. But it, it it's really uh, that that division is going to come down to game 82. You'd have to imagine. Yeah, it's, it's quite an interesting race. So we'll definitely keep an eye out on that. Um, one of the, I guess, smaller trades that just came in a few hours ago was the Dylan DeMello trade out of Ottawa to Winnipeg for a third round pick. Good move by Winnipeg. They absolutely need help on defense, have needed it all year. Um, Immediately, there was a bit of reaction from Old Leafs Twitter there talking about why the fuck wouldn't the Leafs go for this guy? Right-handed D can play top six minutes, relatively young at 27, and at a modest, I think, 950 cap hit for the remainder of the season. And a good trade uh, relationship with the Ottawa Senators. Right, and I'm wondering, my immediate thought is they probably, you know, Kyle might have called them up, or they might not answer, but if they did, they probably just gave him the middle finger. There's a nah. Not throwing you a bone on this one. Oh, I see. Like, no, not trading him to you. Especially considering this guy's a pending UFA. Yeah, we're going to lock this guy up to five mil. Yeah. You know, you're dealing with him forever or for the next foreseeable future. And the other thing is the the Leafs didn't have any third round picks to give. They don't have a 20, uh, one in this season or next. And that was the price it took. Now, Fuck, is this guy worth a second? Like, I'm surprised that the return's so low, given the fact that what we've seen so far in terms of returns, first rounders flying around left and right. Yeah, prices have been high this year. They have been. So it seems that it's, and this is a bit of a slight, I would say, on Ottawa in this situation, is I believe they probably could have garnered more return for this guy. I mean, all we've heard about, in the last year, year and a half, while the Maple Leafs have been searching for answers on right D, is how high priced and how hard these guys are to get. And then this so you guy mean comes to tell across. me you can only get a fucking third round pick for a top six rental right hander? I guess depends on who you're talking to or who you're dealing with. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe you make a good point with them just saying, "Nah, sorry, not 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 for you guys." They we- could have had a better offer from Toronto and just said, "Eh, fuck yes." I think also too that. I'd be more inclined to believe that Kyle would have called and just seen what was up and then decided to go elsewhere. Cause I do think that there is something else coming. Yeah. And you know what I'm saying? So I think there's something else coming, meaning bigger and better than right. DeMello. Now, whether that means bigger, better player, I don't know, but I mean, bigger, better in terms of like a hockey move, you know, right. Dubas is going to go after someone with term, right? I, I don't feel like he's going to go acquire any, any rentals. And I would imagine anyone that he is acquiring that is rental or pending UFA or RFA, they want to believe that they can sign at a reasonable number. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're not going to go out and get a UFA that's going to demand 8.6. And I like that in terms from from a asset management perspective. I do like that. Uh, That's his game. Moving on uh, from the trade situations here, I did want to touch on this before we go all leaf heavy here, but was the Air Force Academy stadium stadium series game between the Colorado Avalanche and the LA Kings. Read a very interesting piece on the fallout from that event. And oh, Twitter a lot was of the on pro- fire. Oh, yeah. Well, they're calling it the fire fest of the NHL, <laughs> which is not a good look. That's such a great way to, great way to put it. And so apparently... <laughs> 
it was well known that they had oversold the building and that logistically the Air Force, because think about this, think about having any, um, any event, any private event essentially at a public facility and trying to have it staffed and adequately looked after, especially when it's something that exceeds what they normally do at that right. facility. And I thought RA made a good point on the, the Monday episode of Chicklets. He's like, I've been to high school football stadiums better than that. Oh, for sure. Right? There was obscene lines for concessions. Some people didn't even get into the game till well after the first period. Yeah. Okay, people were, were waiting in the... Apparently, there was a, a complete lack of parking, not proper logistics, nothing planned. It was well known by the municipality, by the Air Force Academy, everybody, that there was a traffic issue, like uh, constant snarls going in and out of that building, and yet nothing was dealt with, and the NHL just looked at the pot of money that comes with these games and said, "Ah, let it happen." Well, exactly. Like that, from a logistical standpoint, it sounds like there were plenty of red flags that were just simply ignored, ignored because it was a partnership that worked financially for the NHL, and these outdoor games have been a boon for them financially. Well, it, it's on, it's on an Air Force base. Okay, any kind of military base. Is There's one way in and one exa- way out. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's gonna <laughs> so right there, yeah. you go, ah, I don't know if that's going to work it's with 40,000 people going in and out. It's not going to work. Unless, unless you're only shelling tickets out to members of the base. I guess, yeah. In which case, go right ahead yeah. because you guys are all here already. It's just it's real dumb and real short-sighted and, and to give fans an experience like that, People were posting on Twitter, it's the worst event they had ever been to. Not NHL game or outdoor hockey game or whatever. Someone posted a picture from their seats, which were $350. Oh, right down, like just off the field there? Yeah, and they thought that because they spent $350 that these were going to be amazing seats. They were right down by the action, quote unquote. Right. Their picture was about, I don't know, maybe like, a hundred yards of nothing and then the boards. boards, but then they're the height of the boards. Yeah. So they couldn't even they couldn't see, see shit. They couldn't even see the ice. Yeah. You're watching the game on the big screen yet. You paid to be that close. And that's the other problem with them having them at these football fields is that if you're sitting down at the bottom, you're, you're not going to be able to see anything. You, you, you want to be top down. Right. So I don't know. It's just it, it's sad that it didn't work out. I feel bad for the people who shelled out a lot of money. Um, there was also stories of hotels overbooking, which often is a common practice in the hotel in industry to ensure maximum occupancy. Should have so called people, Travalgo. <laughs> people who got out uh, of there after being late for the game and took them hours to get out go to their hotels to find out that their reservations don't exist essentially. Oh. With no vacancy, having to go all the way back to Denver basically to find somewhere to stay. So that's a shit show. And the NHL should be fucking embarrassed about that. I did read one person said that they had to walk 90 minutes. Uh, After the game, they had to walk 90 minutes before they were able to hail a taxi. Well, that was everything. There was inadequate parking. There was no way for Uber to get anywhere near you. So people are walking. Either they parked the car miles away and walked to it, or they had to walk to wherever the hell Uber could find a way to pick them up. Yeah. Wow, it's fucked up. So that's an absolute joke. And let that be a lesson to the NHL in terms of planning these things because, I mean, this this seems like a no-brainer right off the bat. 
And it sounds like if they would have talked to anybody for more than five minutes about something other than money and it actually looked in the logistics, this never should have taken place. It shouldn't have taken place. And that that's the reason why it did take place is because those conversations didn't happen because they knew that if we talk about this, it's going to result in this not happening anymore. And, you know, the, the appropriate people have already been told, confirmed, guaranteed. You know, it just would have been a huge mess to what, like renege on on having it? I guess they just never should have made the deal in the first place. But it's uh, apparently it's part of this partnership that the NHL has with the U.S. Air Force or military or something. Um, it was based out of the success of the event at the Naval Academy that the Maple Leafs were a part of, which was okay. a resounding success. Everything went well and yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But, I mean, base-to-base base, throughout the United States, you're not going to have the same, the same ability to host these large-scale events. Okay. Um, quickly, uh, I saw something in the notes about Kovalchuk. The only reason why I'm bringing it up on you is because, uh, David Panyota at the fourth period, uh, on Twitter, uh, I just saw that, uh, the Montreal Canadians will engage in contract talks with Ilya Kovalchuk's camp mm. after the trade deadline, provi- providing he is still a Montreal Canadian. Ah, and unless the, that's interesting. yeah, unless, uh, the Habs are blown away by the asking price, they are expecting to keep him. So they're leaking that out to to steep up the price here to see if anyone like, wants him. Like, see if somebody because so far that's basically the the hab saying we haven't got anything that's good enough yet. We wouldn't mind keeping this guy around. What do you got? Show us what you got. Give us your best offer. Right. I see. Oh, I see what you're saying. So almost to scare off some teams that are thinking, you know, it'd be nice to have Kovalchuk. I bet you can get him for a fourth rounder or something. Yeah. Or we can just wait and sign him in the off season. That too. Yeah. So maybe that part of the uh, negotiating tactic is thrown out the window when Montreal says, actually, no, you're not going to be able to get him because yeah. we're going to keep him. And I did want to talk about him just because uh, in watching a couple of Montreal games, namely the game where they played the Maple Leafs and he scored the OT winner, that guy looks rejuvenated in Montreal. Like, I don't know. He's I, and I did pumped. read that he was you know, uh, not really getting along with his coach in the L- in L.A. He was getting scratched and down playing down in the lineup for not a very good team. So clearly he's not happy. But, right. man, he, he looks like a completely different player. Because I basically just chalked up. He's old. He's done. You know, too much time in the NHL. Can't do it. He was a bum. Fuck, man. He looked fine. out. He was one of Montreal's best players in the game against the Leafs. Maybe they should get Galchenyuk back. Maybe they should. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was once a bum, and now he's not so much a bum in Montreal. So, But yeah, you're right, man. Um, I've seen a few games here and there as well, not just the ones uh, that feature our, uh, our boys in blue. And he looks like he's really engaged. That's the word that I want to use. And I think the big market probably helps and, and playing on a team that that – I just in a better position than L.A. was, right? There's some a bit of excitement there, and 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 the big stage. Everyone says the Bell Center is the place to be, and and you know one of the biggest stages you're going to play on in your well, career. I don't know Kovalchuk personally, but I want to believe that he is the kind of athlete that needs a few pats on the back. He he wants to be Ilya Kovalchuk. Can I have your autograph? Like if he's out in L.A., fine. You're out in L.A. You got all the blue eyes, blonde hair, beach babes, and everything else, but no one knows or cares who the fuck who you the hell are. you are, right? You go to Montreal, and now, yeah, you got to deal with the cold and this and that and the traffic and the one ways. But and you're everything. a star. But you're a fucking star. The day star. you arrive. The day you arrive, you're a goddamn star. They're already printing your jersey. Fans are lining up to get your autograph. I know he didn't have that, uh, you know, in Atlanta, for example. Right. Um, but, you know, 
I just think that that's something that probably helps rejuvenate a guy like like Kovalchuk. I don't think he's going to do well if he's middling on a bad team right, where no right. one cares who he is. So that's a really smart move by Bergeron. Bergevin, I know the guy's taking a lot of heat and he's had some hits, he's had some misses, but this is definitely a good move by him. Kind of trying to salvage their season at a very low cost, low risk option, which I'm pretty sure I said when they signed him, don't really understand the move fully. But other than from the standpoint of we got to try and scrape our way into the playoffs here. Yeah. Which brings me over to the very strange Shea Weber story that's evolved or completely taken a complete 180 he's in the playing. last week. He's playing. He's playing tonight. Tonight. Okay, so last week. He was dead last he'd week. He'd been out for a few games, I guess, at this point, and there were reports that his injury was worse than feared and that he was going to be out a number of weeks. Uh, it was it six to eight, I think, was the original estimate. And then there was uh, a tweet floated out by Nick Kiprio saying, I'm hearing that it's worse, you know, much worse than anticipated. Not only is he going to be out for the year, but could be done, period. Yeah, because I saw... And this bunch- injury was related to a, a reconstruction, a reconstructive foot injury or something okay. that he had had previous. I had seen a bunch of tweets that were identifying the Shea Weber recapture uh, cap hit penalty and and we right. talked i think we talked about we did this yes because all of a sudden that became hot conversation last week about the potential retiring now i don't think he would he would go on ltir and that would be the end of it it would be 24 million i think the reason why it's a big story because it's so ridiculous and everyone wants to jump to that oh if he retires he's gonna fuck everybody over but nashville so anyway within a week he is apparently playing now what do you make of this situation because that is just bizarre i know we never know and but there seem to be some insiders who are pretty confident in their takes on this. Like Nick Kiprios, I know people like chirping him, and that was kind of the annoying thing. Uh, it goes back to our, my our, my point about Twitter before is that everyone's jumping on Nick Kiprios now. Oh, you you made this up. You're so dumb, and oh, lol, you friggin' idiot. Like, yeah. Hey, okay. Do you think a guy like Nick Kiprios, who's well connected, probably knows everybody who works in that organization's fucking first name and phone number? Do you think he would have just went and tweeted that? Especially when the guy doesn't even work at Sportsnet anymore. Do you think he would have went out and tweeted that without being told pretty much exactly what he said? That's right. Yeah, he's not going to... So gonna, there's more to this. Yeah, he's not going to Once again, there's spin. more to this. I mean, we didn't know last week, and clearly we didn't know going into him him playing tonight. But I get the feeling that there is, there is an injury. It is a significant injury. But instead of taking the surgery route or the potentially career-ending, season-ending scenario for Weber Weber said ah fuck it I'm playing we're getting in the playoffs or at least gonna die trying here I guess so I mean it's a pretty tough hill that they've got to climb but I mean if I'm looking at his uh his update status here on Yahoo Sports uh it was it was Wednesday February 12th I mean we're talking six days ago um Montreal at that point had finally provided clarity for Weber's injury after plenty of speculation and rumors uh, prognosis is much better than initially suggested, but he still will be out for a while due to a sprained ankle. Uh, he is expected to make a full recovery and he could possibly return before the end of the year, depending on how the recovery goes. Uh, and then yesterday at 1130, uh, Shea Weber may be ready to return as early as Tuesday night. Initially projected to miss four to six weeks due to ankle injury. He's less than two weeks into that diagnosis and he was a surprise participant at full practice on Monday. And now uh, today at noon, uh, Weber projected to be sidelined for four to six weeks due to ankle injury, but he will be back 
tonight. Uh, surprise participant Monday's practice. And we'll jump back into the fold after missing just six games. So either he has found the fountain of youth and he's holding out on us all, or <laughs> they, they're putting the freezing in the foot, they're taping it up tight, and off he goes. I think, yeah, definitely the latter. The latter sounds likely, right? <laughs> yeah. And and I get the feeling, and you know what? Say they lose four straight, five straight, they're out. He doesn't continue to play. If they win three straight, four straight, he sticks around. If they win, this might tell straight, us the story. Depending on what happens with Montreal Canadiens over the next little while, I was going to say if they win three or four straight, they'll still be fucking seven points out. True, that's true too. <laughs> so, They've got a hill to climb, but if I feel like if he's gone though. And they might have even said that to him. They might have been like, buddy, we're done. We're mailing it in. We might be doing some selling. If you want to go ahead and, and you know, pack your shit, take the rest of the year off, then that's fine. And I, and I just wonder Shea Weber being the beast of a man that he is. He's like, no, fuck it. I'm going to continue to play and hopefully get us into a spot here. Yeah, if I can play, I'll play. Because it sounds like, kind of it thing. sounds very similar to what happened to Jake Gardner uh, last year, late in the season, I think about mid to late March. We find out he's hurt. We find out he could be out for the rest of the year, which he ended up being out for the rest of the year. But he comes back in the playoffs, doesn't look himself. He's, you know, he was playing, I think, pretty much third pairing minutes throughout. And then we find out that he had turned down a back surgery. Right. Right. Yeah. Now, back injury, very, very serious, like something that most people wouldn't want to fuck with. But obviously, Shea Weber's dealing with something that has he's previously injured in the past, apparently related to the same foot. So and maybe because of that, he knows what he can do. Talk about a confusing scenario, though, and, and just goes back to show you, like, all us people chiming in with our takes on our podcast and our platforms, we don't know shit. No. We don't know. Even the people who apparently know don't know. So, like, <laughs> fuck. I know that you know that I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even people you would consider re- reliable sources have let us down massively. But, I mean, the team had put that out that he was going to be out for, for a while. Yeah. That's I mean, right. those were, some of those were official team statements, not just being leaked out. No, 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 that's right. So that's, it's pretty crazy to see. And I'm interested to see how he plays and if he can, in fact, maybe finish out the year. The only thing I can think of during this whole scenario is again, that gif of the two Spider-Mans pointing at each other. <laughs> no, no, you, you said he was out four to six weeks. No, you, you said he was out four to six weeks. Right. So yeah, a bit of a strange one there, but I mean, hey, uh, all's well that ends well, and in this in this case, it's always great to see players being able to play. Man, like I don't care what team it is or how bad the the playoff crunch is. Like I'm not I'm not gonna cheer if uh, if Jonathan Huberto you know goes down, even though that's gonna really help the Leafs' chances of making a Stanley Cup playoffs. But you know, in in my opinion, I want this league to have all the players that should be playing in it playing in it. Yeah, and, and Shea Weber deserves to be in the NHL, and hopefully he remains there for the rest of his contract. Injuries have been a huge story in the NHL this year. I mean, it seems that you know a, a, a vast majority of teams have dealt with a lot of man games lost, the Maple Leafs included, which we're going to get into some major Leaf talk coming up. They played a shitload of games since we last recorded and made the big acquisition of Jack Campbell, which has paid off pretty good so far. But first, my boy here has got some fantasy homework to share with you guys and i'm going to escape for a second to piss <laughs> <laughs> great outro okay great. so i'm so i'm not able to bounce anything off you unless no. you want to yell at me from the uh from the can yeah, my friend so bad in my fucking hockey i did so bad in my hockey pool this year i've been dressing my lineup for like a month that's terrible i am that fucking duster get out that's awful yeah 
Nobody, nobody likes the guy that doesn't set his fucking lineup. Uh, okay, so basically what happened for me was I lost Miko Rantanen uh, with the collarbone injury. Originally, uh, it was uh, suspected that it was a broken collarbone, but upon further review, uh, it is not a broken collarbone. But Coach Jared Bednar does confirm that Rantanen will be out for weeks. So uh, I have Rantanen, of course, because everyone that gets injured for an extended period of time, I have him. Um, so nothing new there, but I lost Rantanen and I was thinking, uh, you know, I, I needed something to, I needed not someone to replace Rantanen because you're not going to replace the productivity of a guy like Mikko Rantanen. But I guess what I'm getting at is I, I didn't just want a bandaid. Like if he's going to be out for a while, uh, I wanted to be able to pick up someone that I could have a little bit of confidence in moving forward. Uh, not just, you know, the rest of this week, but the next two weeks, which are the most important weeks in terms of Yahoo Fantasy. Uh, week 19 is going on right now as we speak, February 17 to 23. And then week 20 and week 21 uh, are the final two regular season weeks in Yahoo Fantasy, or at least for my pool it is. Uh, I know that other playoffs in other pools will start at different times. I always like to start uh, start our playoffs a little earlier so that um, you know, you're still getting full lineups instead of, you know, you go along with the actual regular season. And in that case, you know, you're getting goaltenders that are being sat for load management. You're getting some players are maybe being scratched because they've already clinched a, a division title or something like that, which always sucks for fantasy. So, um, yeah, I did some homework and basically, uh, three teams jumped off the paper at me. I'm not going to go through anything crazy like a bingo schedule, but Basically, everything that I'm telling you listeners right now is for from today, Tuesday, February 18th until the end of the regular season Yahoo Fantasy, which is March 8th. So from today until March 8th, that's all the information that I have here. The three teams uh, that jumped off the paper at me were the Anaheim Ducks, the Minnesota Wild, and the Colorado Avalanche. And the latter, the Avalanche, are... Probably the biggest one that you're going to want to go and check out. Uh, I'll lead off with them. Um, Anaheim and Colorado both have 10 games remaining uh, between now and again, March 8th. Uh, Minnesota has 11, so they do have an extra one. But Minnesota, seven of their 11 remaining games are on the road. They are horrible on the road. So that's not great. Uh, Six of their 11 are on off nights, which are Sundays, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Um, Colorado is the best one. Uh, they've got 10 games remaining. Eight of those 10 are on off nights, uh, including one Sunday game, which is the final Sunday of the regular season. So, uh, anyone on Colorado that you might be able to snag, and I'll give you a couple of ideas in a minute. Um, that is going to be the final day to get your way in. So if you're going to pick up a guy now and know that you can hang on to him and have him for your final Sunday matchup is, is pretty key in my opinion. Um, and then the biggest one for Colorado is six of their 10 remaining games in Yahoo fantasy regular season are quote unquote easy games, uh, two against Anaheim, LA, Buffalo, Detroit, San Jose. Pretty nice fantasy schedule there, Lesko. Eight games uh, on nights that are very light. You're going to be getting a leg up on your opponent. And six out of those games are coming up against teams where you can imagine that the Colorado Avalanche, even with their injuries, are probably still going to be able to put up some goals on those nights, Lesko. I bet. I mean, you're talking Anaheim twice, LA, Detroit, 
Sharks, Buffalo, right? Like I just listed them off. Those are the worst teams in the NHL, basically, I feel. Um, all listed off. So Colorado's got a nice, easy schedule coming home. Um, Anaheim was the other team that I mentioned. They do play every Sunday. So that's this Sunday, next Sunday, and the Sunday after that. Uh, eight of their 10 are also on off nights. Uh, if you're looking at Anaheim, I was checking on some ownership. Uh, you might be looking at a guy like Jakob Silverberg or Adam Henrique. Both guys are basically carrying the mail and as far as the goals uh, scored category is concerned. Uh, for Minnesota, you can look on the back end. Jared Spurgeon is, is doing well. Kevin Fiala also um, doing really well lately. And man, I've seen some Minnesota games and some highlights, and Kevin Fiala looks like he's a fucking superstar out there sometimes. He's looking pretty good. He's it looking seems really good. He seems like the type of guy that Nashville kind of gave up on. And I think that so. trade is, is, you know, maybe at first, I think people were a little bit thrown off by it. Uh, them giving up Grandlin for him. But it seems that one of those trades that has definitely paid off for Minnesota. I think so. And we'll see if they decide to flip him or whatever they want to do with him. I'm not sure. But at this point in time, uh, obviously, I'm talking about the teams, right? Uh, the teams, uh, what they're playing, what nights they're playing on. So if Fiala gets traded, then it's kind of a, a moot point. Um, or Spurgeon, for that matter. Uh, Colorado, uh, two big ones here for Colorado. So Samuel Girard on the back end. Uh, gets a, a ton of minutes, obviously, as many defensemen do. Uh, plays in the top two pairs. Uh, spends time back and forth, I believe, as well. Uh, and also plays on the first power play unit. So Samuel Girard is a good option on the back end for Colorado. And then the biggest one for myself, I picked this guy up. So I'm, 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 I'm practicing what I'm preaching. And this might be a bit of a, I don't want to call it a shot in the dark or a play from left field, let's go, but... Valerie Nachushkin, uh, dual eligible left wing, right wing. Um, Rantanen went down and Nachushkin actually was filling in with uh, Gabriel Landeskog and Miko Rantanen. Um, or sorry, Landeskog and McKinnon. Rantanen was injured in the second period and Nachushkin spent time with that line, ultimately scoring the game tying goal with about seven minutes to go. In the third period, they ultimately lost, as you heard in our intro. Uh, they lost in overtime to Tampa Bay. But Nachushkin got a shot um, on the top line. The shot was actually taken from Kale McCarr and hit Nachushkin in the chest and went in. So it's not like he sniped it or anything. But he but was going to the net he hard. He was going to the net hard. And he was spending time with their top line. And I think with this injury to Miko Ranton, and of course Kadri's out still, it's either going to be Burakovsky or Nachushkin that plays on the top line. I'm leaning more towards Burakovsky because he's already spent time on that top line. But now I'm wondering if Bednar might do a little switching here. If he might, you know, split up Landeskog with McKinnon to give their top six two viable offensive threats. And if that's the case, then you're sitting pretty with Valerie Nachushkin, who's got games, like I said, Anaheim, LA, Buffalo, Detroit, Sharks, terrible games. They play on Sunday. They play Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays. They got six easy games. I'm going all in on Val Nachushkin. And you can take me to the bank at the end of the year, or you can take me out behind the alley and shoot me if I was wrong. <laughs> Man, Colorado's in top two. I mean, talk about, you know, major pieces of that team missing time due to injury, Rantanen uh, throughout the year. And now most recently, it sounds like Nazem Kadri won't be returning for their to their team until the playoffs. And further to the uh, schedule thing where they play a bunch of terrible teams, Colorado actually does have the easiest 
schedule for the games remaining. I can't remember exactly what website it is, but if you just Google strength of schedule NHL, uh, there is some sort of metric that they use um, for you know the opponent's winning percentage, the opponent's goal differential. They take a bunch of things into account, and they will you know basically tell you what they feel is the easiest and the difficult schedule. So Colorado has the easiest schedule coming home, and and that includes the the remainder of the season, not just from now until March eighth. But the other teams to note on there as well are Washington, Vegas, Florida. And Tampa Bay. So Colorado, Washington, Vegas, Florida, and Tampa all have the easiest schedule. The most games remaining in Yahoo Fantasy is Pittsburgh. Uh, and the fewest is Arizona. Um, so if you're looking at Boy. your Connor, your Connor Garlands or your yeah, Jacob scored his twentieth there last night. Yeah, your Jacob Chickrens. Or you if know. you would like a you know, a Lafferty, Daniel Lafferty from uh <laughs> Pittsburgh Penguins, <laughs> or maybe Cahoon or Bluger, Agazino. Hmm? Those names ringing a bell. Next or to Malkins <laughs> <laughs> Lafferty, Daniel, and Gilmore happy. <laughs> All right, buddy. Good luck. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, Mr. Gilmore and Mr. Lafferty will be teeing off now. All right, good luck, buddy. Get out of the way. <laughs> I was just looking at Pittsburgh's starting lineup for tonight as they are about to face off against our Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, I thought you were reading off your NHL 20 Dynasty 2046 roster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. Like, looking at Malkin is playing with... McCann and Rust are his wingers. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, when you're Evgeny Malkin, you can probably play with, you know, Joe and Schmo on your wing. And, and I'm beginning and do to all think right. you and I could play with Malkin and put up 30 Genos. So, Whew. and anyway, to get into the Leafs here, I don't know how long we've been going here, but uh, there is a lot of Leaf talk to be had. We're almost not, an hour 40. Yeah. I'm not going to recap games or, or any. You know, go too in depth here because if chances are, if you're still listening and you want to hear our Leafs takes, you want to hear the takes, you want to hear our feedback because odds are you follow the team as closely as we do. You watch all the games, you read all the stories, you know what's going on, you know what the rumors are, and all that. I did want to hit the Jack Campbell trade first because this is a significant one. Now, some people might be laughing, ha, huh, backup goalie and a fourth line depth guy, how significant can it be? Two things Kyle Clifford, okay? represents something that the Maple Leafs don't have at all, okay? This guy drops the mitts, he's tough, but the guy can also play hockey. If uh, He's somewhat of an analytical uh, fantasy out there that not only is this guy uh, uh, a contributor in the toughness side of the game, but can contribute at both ends of the ice from an offensive and defensive perspective. Not that he's going to be asked to do that. It's not why he's here. But I think he's a significant add because it's a bit of a departure from the way the team is constructed in that we don't have anything like him. Well, we don't have any protection. That and we just don't have any player like him at all. Like we don't have a player that strikes fear into the opponent, so to speak, other than maybe Jake Muzzin. Right. And by virtue of that, protection. That's where I go with yes. it. I go with protection for our young guys. It's not to say that he's going to come out and fight you because you hit our young guys or he's going to intimidate you because you're trying to intimidate our young players, Mitch Marner and Nylander and all that like. I'm just saying you'll you'll probably think 
twice at least about trying to take liberties with some of our young stars when you know that you're going to have to answer a Kyle Clifford bell if he chooses to bring his wrath upon you for what you did. So what you're doing, you're going to think about that twice, I think. Now, that's not to say that, you know, guys have been taking liberties on our stars because I don't think that that's been a, a thing. Not really, no. I don't think so. But when you enter when you enter a seven-game series, let's go, in the, in the postseason, you bet your ass that becomes a thing. Absolutely. So you need a guy like Kyle Clifford to be able to be there to not only provide that stability in terms of protection and allowing your young stars to be just that, young stars, in this league not have to not to say that they can't worry about going into the corner or anything but they kind of just feel a little bit more at ease it's almost as if when you walk off the school bus with your big brother or something like that you just feel a little bit stronger because your brother is there with you and i really like the addition of clever in that this guy has been the distance in the playoffs he's won cups with this la kings uh, he knows what it's like. He's a he's a local guy, so he's super pumped to be there. And he also has a history with Kyle Dubas. I mean, if you if you listen to his uh, his interview when he first got there, he mentioned like you know the relationship that he has. He considers Kyle Dubas a friend, going back to uh, uh, the time in the OHL together. That's right. And same with Jack Campbell. So it it's it's pretty cool to see that that. That Dubis has has you know not only formed relationships with these players, um, you know his first client ever was Kyle Clifford I was just, as an agent, which is oh was it Clifford? Cool. I thought it was Jack Campbell. So it was, it was Clifford. It was Clifford. Yeah, so, okay, but anyway, like very strong relationship with both these guys. Um, I did want to bring this up, and I kind of wish I did so I can say I fucking told you so. But when we were talking back about uh, uh, the prospect of bringing in Georgiev from the New York Rangers, I'm thinking. No way, because A, the price is too high, and B, is a pending UFA. Very unpredictable. You don't know if you're going to be able to sign this guy. Right. And I'm looking at the list of potential goalie targets, and I see Jack Campbell. Here's a first-round draft pick, which is very rare for a goaltender, who you could say he ended up being a bit of a late bloomer, I guess. Um, you know, it took him a long time to find his footing in the NHL. But we're talking about a guy with a cheaper cap hit than Michael Hutchinson, a 675 cap hit, okay? And... He's already signed for the next two years, $1.35 million for the next two. That has Kyle Dubas value. written all over it. Yeah. Not just the relationship aspect, but value and that we know that he likes to bring in guys with term. So here you have not only just ironed out your backup goaltender situation for the remainder of the season, but for the foreseeable future in the next Absolutely. couple seasons. Next couple seasons. I mean, I don't know exactly. Maybe you can pull up Freddie's contract and when that expires for us, but I know it's not anytime really soon it might be in two summers from now and that might coincide with us not knowing what we're doing so <laughs> we're gonna need to make sure that we've got that back up at least for like you said the foreseeable future one more year after this so freddie's only one more year one after more this year so we got jack campbell as our proverbial uh backup quote-unquote for 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 two years right you just said so that's one year after Freddie. So either we extend Freddie or we got to look at, I don't know what else. Could be looking at, at a Jack Campbell starter, but yeah. he seems to me like the guy who is not fully realized his potential. And you have to understand that the majority of goaltenders, they don't come up, what's he, 27? I mean, their primes are probably from 25 to 30. Yeah. Anywhere it could be, you could put it past, a little bit past 30. So well, Unless you're me, I, 33. Right, right. There you go. Like, you know, you're still in that window. Prime and tonight. I got to get my warm ups in for there fucking puck in two hours. But just a really impressive deal uh, by Dubas all around. Um, definitely a guy that I, I was really happy that they targeted. And man, is this guy not like the happiest human being in the history of the world? Every save. 
topping everyone. He is just hey, so happy to be there. Tops you in the pants. Tops you in the shin pads. He's he, topping guys coming off the bench. <laughs> every interview, he's grinning ear to ear, talking yeah. about how great of everyone is and how great everything is. Win, loss, doesn't matter. Well, I did, not that I expected it, but I expected it based on what I read um, when someone, actually it was an article that I read and then it was confirmed when someone was on NHL radio from LA and both, and they were two different people, but both the article and the interview, they both alluded to what an amazing human being Jack Campbell is. Now, of course, everyone's going to say that about everyone. Oh, he's a great guy. You know, they're not going to say, oh, he's a fucking shitty guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, there's those glue guys, though, yeah, in the room that they bring your said teams the together. Com- the community is going to have a difficult time not having Jack Campbell and Kyle Clifford in, in the fold anymore. It's going to be a big blow to the community. And I remember specifically the radio interview, the guy said, I hope Toronto Maple Leaf fans have at least a fraction of an understanding of what they're getting with these two players. And that moment right there, when I heard that interview, I had already read the article and I thought, fuck man, they're really, they're really talking great about these two players. Yes. They're depth players, a backup goalie and a, and a bottom six forward. Fine. They're not superstar players, but what they can provide is what you just said. Let's go. They can provide that glue and we'll see moving forward. I believe that we will extend Clifford. I think we will bring Clifford back. That's my initial thought. I mean, I don't think I'm as confident in it as I would otherwise be if we had already had him, let's say, if he was our own draft pick or something like that. But I just feel like given that relationship with Dubas and everything that I've heard about what a great person he is, what a great teammate they both are, uh, how important they'll be with the community and the team. And I don't know. I just, I think that having both of these guys, you know, under our roof for the next couple of seasons is going to be nothing but a good thing, both in terms of what they can provide for us, but also as it relates to their cap hit. Cause I don't think either of those two guys are going to be very expensive. Even if we decided to, let's say extend Jack Campbell as a backup goaltender in two years from now. Right. Like, I don't think he's going to blow the doors off of us in terms of an asking price. And Kyle, Kyle Clifford is coming off a big money deal uh, for, for him anyway, you know, like a uh, paid him very well. And um, you know, he seems to me like the type of guy you know, he's playing for his, his hometown team. Basically, he's from Air Ontario, just south of Toronto. Right. But uh, he seems very, very happy to be there, and seems like the type of guy who's going to resign for a seven fifty contract, kind of like Jason Spezza, something like that. Like if if he wants to be there, and if the Leafs will have him back. Now, I do want to get into my one criticism of this trade. What took so long? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I understand they wanted to give Hutchison a shot under Sheldon Keefe and under the changes, but he got every opportunity to succeed and squandered pretty much every opportunity he had plus or minus a couple games yeah i don't know i mean it's a good question what took so long i mean it's there are so many ways you can answer that question though you know i mean maybe la wasn't going for the deal maybe it took a little bit of sweet talk i know there's no answer to that question there's no answer it's the one criticism i have is it's just you know I don't want to play this game yet because the Leafs are still in a playoff position today. And, 
you know, I think they have a 70% chance right now. The odd, odds makers are saying of making the playoffs. I wouldn't be that high. I was more a 50-50 guy I mean, at this I point. Might, I might not even be that fucking high. Right? So, so Bro, it's our like, schedule is fucked. Fuck, you were to bring that guy in a lot earlier, and you might not be in the situation they're sitting in today. I mean, since he's been here, what, he's 3-0-1, posting a 9-30, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. I mean, outstanding. And... This brings me to my burning questions. So I set up four questions here instead of us kind of going over all the news, like I said, and stuff that people already know about what happened in what hockey game. I want to hit these four questions, and I'm sure we'll reference those recent games. Some yeah, them, for sure. Some of them horribly embarrassing, like Buffalo the other night. Yeah, I just I think too, like to your question about what took so long. I think it's I think it's a I think that's a more difficult question to ask as it relates to the backup goalie situation than the same question was when we when we were firing Babcock. What the fuck took so long? That was an easier question to ask right. because we already had Sheldon. We, and that's a move. Like, that wasn't a fucking trade or anything that we had to think about. Right, but that's it, something that Shani had to sign off I know, on, yeah. Right? So that, but that's so what that's, I'm saying. So right. I feel like as a fan, I'm allowed to definitely ask what the fuck took so long on this Babcock thing. But I don't know if I'll be so quick right. to be like, hey, Carl, what the fuck took so long on this Campbell thing? Because... That is a much more delicate situation that you gotta fangle and you gotta sharpen your pencils and try to figure it out when 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 the Babcock thing was literally just fucking do it already. Yeah, and it's like Michael Hutchinson had nine lives. It's like they just kept going and and it seemed that once Freddie Anderson got hurt, it just forced their hand. Right. It, it brought it to a point. I mean, it was funny. The game wasn't even over, and that trade was getting leaked out by some random Twitter account. <laughs> yeah, it was an which was thing. Like, I'd quit watching that game because it was fucking brutal. After he trip, tripped on the post there oh. and did that whole thing. And and that was like, I remember seeing it in the corner of my eye. I'm like, what is he doing? And then I'm seeing, like, Dermot trying to give him a stick, and he's can't get it and then that trickler goes in right after the Leafs had scored two to get themselves back in that hockey game oh tell me about it so that was pretty fucked and I was like that's got to be it and lo and behold they had already made a deal to unload him or uh, bring in a replacement for him so four burning questions I have here to wrap up the show which means we got another hour <laughs> uh, <laughs> that fuck's dropping we gotta get going what is the biggest issue for you for the Maple Leafs right now <sighs> pinpoint one thing there was a poll i think tsn leafs lunch somebody did a poll they were like goaltending is it the defense well don't is give it me inconsistency ah, that's it it's consistency right i don't know what i don't know what team is showing up yeah and it's not even consistency from game to game basis it's it's fucking period to period they showed up for 10 minutes against buffalo 10 minutes out of 60 I know, and they were still uh, a post or a big save away from maybe walking away with that one. I, they were right in it with two, 12 minutes to go yeah, in, two, the, two. in the third period. And someone made a big save where we hit a post. I didn't see the game. I was doing Lumber King's game this yeah. Sunday night. But like something happened where I think they were talking about an overdrive. They were saying, if that goes in, Buffalo might pack it in. Right. They might pack it in. Because at least we're pouring it on. Yeah. They, looked, they looked desperate, like we're in a playoff battle. You know, complete opposite to what they were in the first two periods. They were they were embarrassing in the first two periods. So here's what I think, and I'd like to make it a little bit more specific maybe than the word consistency. Right. I'll say there's a lack of desperation. And it's almost yeah. it's almost as if it's almost as if you're procrastinating, okay? You're back in college, university, or high school, whatever, and you have a project that you have to do. 
and it has to be in in 15 days. So you're not worried about it yet. You're not worried about it maybe next week even when you have eight days left. You only start to really worry about that project when you only have a couple of days left and you're like, fuck, I really got to get this project done. So you think it's that game-to-game mentality, like not maybe embracing the magnitude of what it is, even though it's Buffalo on a, a Monday or, or sorry, a Sunday night. Yeah. It doesn't matter who it is. Right. The magnitude is the magnitude right now. I don't right. care if you're playing an AHL team or the fucking Tampa Bay lightning. If it's worth two points in the NHL, which every game is, then the magnitude is peak level. And I'm not seeing that level of desperation just yet. And I'm thinking that we will see the desperation, but I worry that it might come either too late or so fucking close to being too right. late that it will come down just to like, game 82. Just like turning it on in five minutes left when you're down two. Yeah, exactly. And it better not be because that's... I, exactly. I, but I'm it, not betting on that, instead right? Of turning the, instead of turning it on in terms of pressure with five minutes left in the game, they're going to turn it on in terms of desperation with five games yeah, like left. Yeah, game 77 or save 75 yeah, or something like, like that. Why not know. right now, boys? Okay. Why not right now on that back-to-back? That's what I want to see. I don't see any desperation quite yet, and it's, it is it is bothersome to me. Mm-hmm. The main reason being is because of our fucking schedule. So I've waffled around on this question a bit, and i bounced around my answers. And, and to add to, to your point about consistency, I'm looking at a situation where this is a constant reminder of where this team is actually at. Okay, this team is has gotten younger from last year to this year. They're just, they're just, uh, it's like an underdevelopment type thing. They're still learning. Okay. The, the core of this team has uh, like little to no experience, especially when you co- want to compare them to opponents like Pittsburgh or Boston or Washington or Tampa. Yeah, sure. Okay. Like, I think this is a constant reminder that this team is still grasping what the 82 game grind is actually like and to go 82 and beyond. So I, I just to add to your point, but where I settled on on what's my biggest issue with the Maple Leafs right now, and it's taken me a long time to accept this, but it's goaltending. And there is, we just talked about it; it's been addressed somewhat. But it what kind of hammered it away or hammered it home for me was courtesy of one of my favorite Twitter follows, the Oak Leafs Active Stick on Twitter oh. posted the chart. Okay, so. It's telling. uh, It it really puts into perspective (laughs) because I know Fred's been bad for a while, okay, and I'm fully willing to admit that, but we give him the benefit of the doubt because he's been so good for so long, and we still see flashes of it. Big save here, big save there. Yeah, that's right. right? That's right. But out of all the goalies, going back to January 6th, who have played more than five games, okay, so this collects a list of 58 goalies. The second worst goalie over that time frame is Frederick... Anderson with a 0.878. Yikes. Just above him, actually not just above, a 0.891 is Louis Deming. But who's below Frederick Anderson on that list? Who has been worse since January 6th, 2020 in terms of save percentage? I will. Michael fucking yeah, Hutchinson. I was going to say I want to say Michael Hutchinson. So those stats alone just <laughs> paint a picture for me that and 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 sorry, I shouldn't say this just alone. Because the other stats that I look at and that we're being constantly reminded of when people are having meltdowns after losses to Buffalo is, oh, well, the teams have been really good under Sheldon Keith. I think they're fifth uh, in the NHL in points percentage and this and that since Keith has taken over. Okay, but why are we still stuck here? There's two answers to that. One, bad fucking start to the season. 
okay, under Babcock. We all know that. We're very well aware of that whole debacle. Yeah, we were eight but points out. But number two, what has been wrong since then, though, if we're playing that well overall and the stats are looking so good? The goaltending just hasn't been there. And, you know, I'm a huge Freddie Anderson fan, and I have every bit of confidence that he can return to form. But at this point in time, do you just run with the hot goalie? Do you run a tandem scenario? Because I'm feeling like it's get it could be getting to that point. Well, Freddie starts tonight. He's in the cage right here in front of me. I got the game on my phone as we're going. Um, I don't know if he's made any saves. I know Tristan Jari made a nice save on John Tavares in the first minute. So Leafs are off to a good start. We have a power play right now as I speak. Um, I don't know. What do you do? It, like if Freddie wins tonight and he's and, and, and it's a good game, you know, 26 on 28 and the Leafs win 4-2 with an empty netter. A nice game for Fred. Do you go back to Fred again uh, for the home game against Pittsburgh? I think you go Campbell just because he's earned the right to play again. I agree with that. And the other part of it is, is you got to go with the hot hand. And I think Frederick Anderson is still the starter and he's still going to be given his pretty much his regular starts. But I, I think it's this is going to be a completely different scenario than we've seen over the past three seasons. It's not going to be second halves of back-to-backs. It's not going to be only weak opponents, even that we've seen Keefe kind of do so far with Hutchinson. Well, I think Jack Cannell has earned the right to be considered in a tandem scenario, and Freddie Anderson's been bad enough. Yeah, where you can put you Campbell put them in. down on, on the yeah. same par, at least in terms of evaluating who should start on a game-to-game basis. Yeah, and I mean, Campbell, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. He has played well enough to warrant an opportunity to, to, to play goal against anyone, not just the not just the B-to-Bs or the fucking weak teams. Anyone. You can put him in against anyone. And I think at this point, an opportunity to really solidify that fact would be to play him on Thursday against Pittsburgh at home regardless of what happens tonight. Right. And I think that's probably the, the plan, plan, just given on the recent body of work since Campbell's been here, since Frey's been back from injury, so on and so forth. I just wanted to make a quick correction, too, on that chart that I was referencing with the save percentages. It is even strength save percentage, but that actually makes it worse. Yeah, that does, make it, that does make it worse. Um, number 16 on the list, Jack Campbell with a 930 save percentage That's since what you January need. 5th in that time frame. So this brings me to my next question because we just talked about inconsistency. Are the Leafs hashtag actually bad or are they just inconsistent as fuck? Because O-Dog made me think yesterday on Overdrive. He said, maybe, and we tend to overrate the Leafs just in general as fans with the blue colored glasses, but it's been 60 games and look where they are. And look what we've seen in terms of not just losses against teams they shouldn't lose to or that they need to beat in order to make the playoffs, but yeah. embarrassing losses and falling apart for fucking periods or 10-minute spans and things like that or only showing up for 10 minutes. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, it's it's just going to sound like a wheel of excuses, but you're the one that asked me the question. So I like it's not an excuse. I'm just going to try and answer the fucking question the best I can. At this point in time, and I had I had this thought crossed my mind not that long ago either um wondering yeah maybe we're just not as good maybe we're just not as good as we thought we were i don't think that's the case i still think that we're working through the honeymoon phase of everyone being young and good and fast and skilled and all this stuff i just think that there's a maturity that hasn't 
yet developed among our players, uh, our core players. And Keith pointed to that in post game post game comments. He really he called them out in that sense. Yeah, and I don't mean I don't mean to call them immature. That's not what I mean. I just I think that there is uh, a factor of experience being a veteran in the league. We don't really have any of that. We have a we have a bit of veteran leadership, but none of the veteran leaderships are, you know, our superstar core. Uh, right. Save save for John. Aside from save John, for Tavares. John Tavares, yeah, and, and you know Muzzin. And but he's Frederick not Anderson, but he's not right? a superstar core. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and it Freddie goes, would be. It goes back to what I'm saying about about this being young team and, and and learning on the fly, learning what it's what it takes to be consistent, to be competitive night in night out. Yeah, fucking Freddie just had a huge adventure, Eddie Belfort adventure behind the cage. Oh boy. This game actually looks pretty intense right now. Uh, early six minutes in zero zero. But uh, yeah, I I think that that's that's it for me. I think um, I think I don't think it's going to be like a magical flip of a switch no, or something. It's not. But I just think at some point in the next couple of of, of hockey seasons, uh, we will see the team settle in, so to speak. Yeah. Settle in. Settle in on on an identity and a culture and those those things that are hard to describe, but yeah, B6, you can only figure it out in amongst yourselves in the room. That's right. Be six, seven, eight years deep as an NHL pro. And six, seven, or eight years deep as an NHL pro, you've got loads of experience mm-hmm. over your former self yeah. when you were 19 and 20. And wheeling checks and trying to, you know, trying to score as many goals as you could. Like there's, there's other ways to win hockey games. Some guys are out there to score all the goals. Some guys are out there to, you know, create offense in other ways. It's just a matter of trying to figure out how all of this blends together and results in a nice 82 regular season consistent effort. And unfortunately, back to the fucking Babcock Shanahan thing again. We were robbed of that this year. Right. I wish I could sit here today on February 18th, 2020 and bitch about the 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 season that has been under Keith. Well, Josh looks like you were kind of wrong about the Keith thing because, you know, we're barely clinging to a playoff spot and we're only 5 and 4 in our last night or whatever it is, you know. But I can't entertain that conversation right now because of how we started mm-hmm. and what he had to he being Sheldon, what he had to inherit right. and turn around. And we're first in the NHL in goals for, and we're first in the NHL in, uh, what's the other one? Uh, they just showed it. I fuck. They just showed it on my phone. We're first in the NHL in two things. I think it's total goals scored and goals per game, which I guess would automatically, sure. <laughs> automatically both be the, be the case, but the team is scoring goals at, 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 a, at a great pace, best in the NHL. If they could just get a couple of saves every now and then, they'd be fine. But then the problem bleeds into the defense, Lesko, and you can't just always blame the goaltending. Yes, the goaltending has been a problem for us, but now we're wondering, we're under Sheldon, we're running at 109-point pace or whatever it is, but yet we're still having trouble not you know, not getting the saves. We're having trouble keeping yeah. the puck out of the net. What is that? Maybe that's because we're giving too many grade A scoring. Yeah. There's a lot of high danger chances coming up. And obviously the, the Leafs defense is hurting. That's, you know, 
that's that's obvious. So missing Morgan Riley, missing Jake Muzzin for a period of time, and now missing Cody Cece. Yeah, I said it, Cody Cece. Let's be honest here. This guy's an NHL veteran and eats minutes, okay? Timothy Lilligren, for example, against Buffalo, and I've loved his play with the puck. <coughs> Excuse me. That's a strength of his, is his play with the puck. But he got exposed quite a few times without the puck, and that goes back to young, inexperienced defensemen getting exposed making giveaways or gaffes or whatever that lead to high danger chances. Uh, you, you know, it, it, there's no, it's no secret. And we've talked about this throughout the season and for years, as long as I can go back that they're not very good defensively and they have to kind of clamp down as a team in order to overcome that. Now, I don't think it's bad as everyone necessarily makes it out to be. And that's kind of why I, I settled on goaltending as being a major issue, but there's always improvements that can be made there, and I believe Marty Marinson drew into the lineup tonight in favor uh, or instead of Timothy Lilligren, who is getting the night off. Well, let me give you a bit of a hot take. It might be a hot take. You can tell me if it is a hot take. I don't think T. Lils is NHL ready. I don't. I, I like he makes he makes good plays, fine, and he can play in the NHL. So I guess by virtue of that, I could call him NHL ready. But I still, I just, I don't see it. Like I'd have to spend maybe a uh, like more dedicated minutes to like really paying attention. Where's Tilo's? Okay, he's on the ice right now, and really pay attention and, and get a you know. Let's just pretend I'm I'm only scouting him. Like someone told me to go and scout Timothy Lilligren and come back to us. I don't know if my reports would be that glowing about about Lilligren's play. Like I know he's playing with Sandine, the youngest defensive pairing in the NHL, and I know that they have been adequate. They've been good at times too. So I'm not I'm not saying that he's not good, Lesko. I, I don't just, no, I, I don't, don't think it's a hot take. I don't know if he's you know? ready still. And I, I'm happy to see him get an opportunity, but let's be honest, the Cody Cece injury is what forced their hand here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I believe if the Leafs had their preference, they might have wanted him to get him a shot this year and see how it went. But we've seen how it's went over the last little while, and it's not been it's not been glowing. Like it's not, it's not exactly worked out. It's now, not Sandine. Let's put it that way. Oh yeah, it's not Sandine who who has appeared to have transitioned a lot more smoothly. Now Sandine did get that batch of games at the beginning of the year, so Fine, he's yeah. not exactly as green as, as maybe Lilligren is. So, but I don't think that's a hot take though. Yeah, but Sandine's move to the NHL brought with it a little bit of excitement because he was he he produced in his first couple games yeah. there. Um, but not only that, not just the production, but the actual efficiency uh, with and without the puck. I, yeah. I felt a little stronger about Sandine than I do specifically as it relates to Lilligren. Now, of course, they're out on the ice together a lot yeah. of the time lately. Which is um, crazy because yeah. who would have predicted that we'd end up with a third pairing like that? And, you know, it's it's an interesting experiment. And like I said, their hands were forced and this is the reality of their situation. So, That's right. you know, let's let's hope that he continues to develop and, and can really use this experience he gets and, you know, makes the most of this opportunity because he's going to be a big part of the Maple Leafs maybe as soon as next year. And let's hope that he's ready to take the reins if in the event that becomes clear. Um, a couple of things that I did want to mention. One other note, I guess, about the Leafs defense is what is going on with Travis Derman? Because he's been handling the puck like a fucking hand grenade. And let's say the Leafs do re-sign Jake Muzzin. 
Doesn't that make him expendable? Yeah, I don't know if maybe he's playing poorly on purpose because he doesn't or he want ends to get up traded. in the Marty Marinson, Frankie <laughs> Corrado situation where he's in and out here and there. But he can't be, him. man. Dermot was awesome. Like Dermot was Jake Gardner two point I guess he and his things. He was so smooth with the puck and heads up and and smart and and great edge work. I'm not seeing it at all this no. year. But like literally, Jake Gardner two point oh. Yeah, in the, in the sense you know. Uh, zone in on 2.0 because we realized what we did wrong the first time and we made another one. So he was Jake Gardner 2.0 in the sense that he kind of played very similar to Jake Gardner. Heck, they even skate alike, kind of, the two of them, the way they pivot and, you know, skating backwards and stuff. They're very fluent on their their feet, very good skaters. Um, Arguably enough, people would say that Gardner (laughs) had a difficult time turning left, (laughs) which I would probably agree with. But the point remains, good skaters, uh, good good handlers of the puck. Dermot, I found, was less prone to making really, really poor hockey decisions. Like, I know I shouldn't throw this up the wall right now because there's nobody there, but I'm going to do it anyways. (laughs) Dermot Dermot will eat that. He, He generally will eat that and cause a battle along the boards, which me, the fan, and me, the hockey knowledgeable person that I feel like I am, I like that because they got to come in, they got to take it from you instead of you just fucking giving it to them. But that was last year. And you're right. This year now, it's 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 more of the former. He's throwing it away. He's giving it away. He's just trying to outlet. I don't know if he's caught in between a Babcock and Keefe transition where Leafs were super dedicated to this fucking foot play that we used to do right, right. all the time. And the long and, bombs. Yeah, and all, that. all off the glass and way up in the air and it bounces around at neutral ice and hopefully Nylander or Matthews can skate into it. He's kind of caught between that and holding on to the fucking thing right. way too long because and Sheldon I mean, wants us to hang on to He should know it. too. I mean, he played lots of hockey under Keefe. I mean, I feel like he should. the system should be benefiting him. But one of the other things... A lot of people early on when he came back was uh, saying, you know, he's in major injury and, and just a step behind right now. But now he's been been around for several months and, and things have not improved. I'm starting to look more at the D pairing situation. Okay. He's been largely paired bottom with uh, Lilligren, with CC. You know, he used to play... He used to play in a bit more of a steady situation, I feel like, when he first started out with the Maple Leafs. I can't recall if he was playing with Polak for a little bit. Um, Last season, I can't exactly recall who he was playing with most of the time, but he just seemed more comfortable out there. Yeah, I would agree. I, I would agree wholeheartedly. And it almost brings me back to the Riley thing, where we were talking about Riley and his, you know, non efficient play this season and, and starting to wonder if there was some sort of lingering injury. And then of course he gets walked uh, by, I can't remember who it was. He got walked infamously. And then that night they came out and said, Oh yeah. It was, was after the McDavid goal. Oh, the, Mc- yeah. Yeah, sorry, the McDavid goal. That's right. He got walked by McDavid. Of course it's McDavid, but that did not look good. No, that goal that all. he let uh, McDavid bust right past him didn't look very good. And then of course, lo and behold, we find out, you know, 45 minutes after the game. Oh yeah. By the way, Riley's uh, going to be up for a really long What's time. What's it going to cost to bring Ron Hainsey back? <laughs> I know. I was, I was seeing some of that noise on oh, Twitter. I was like first round pick. <laughs> <laughs> man, oh man. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's it. You want to watch this hockey game and put yeah. this stuff out in the internet? Yeah, we'll put it on the interweb. Man, Freddie's been down like several times already. Oh, like, God. like on the ice floor. They're in tough against back to backs against Pittsburgh. That sucks shit, especially after you 
like took a dump like that against Buffalo, man. Like they have, they have, they're backing themselves into a corner right now. And it's funny because thank fuck that Florida has kind of sh- shit the bed a little bit over the last couple of weeks. It's like, oh know. my god, if Florida, if Florida didn't go, if Florida stayed on their heater, we we're out. We'd be gone. Oh, we're out Long by gone. four or five fucking it, points. Because basically, um, you know, with the strong play of Philadelphia and Carolina, those wild card spots are looking out of the question. It's either third in the division or bust. I've known that the wild card is not, it, dude. It's division or bust. Right. It is. I'm sorry, but it is. There's no. There's just no other way we're getting in. Don't break my I'm shit not over. Breaking nothing. I stretched. Get your shit out of my range. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of shit in there. Um, I did want to reference a couple of things. Um, going back to the Minnesota Wild that I meant to mention and did not. But one of the more shocking aspects of the Bruce Pedro firing was that they were nine, three, and one. Or sorry, seven, three, and one in the last ten when he got fired. That's eleven, but I'll give it to you. Sorry, fuck it. Um, and then the other thing, they had just come off like a, a bad loss to the Rangers, I guess, where he was yeah, they gave saying it, they, they gave thought, up a lead. Yeah. yeah, I gave up a lead. And the other thing is, if you go back to November 1st, the Wild have been 23-14-7. Yeah, I told you, they don't want to win anymore. That's what it is. Yeah, and it's like, it, yeah, they, they must be mailing it in because they had a terrible October. We remember we did talk about them a little bit early in the season, so... Anyway, like, I want to throw that out just because I missed it. And, it was like uh, in twenty after the story. It was like in twenty fifteen when we called up all of our young guys, won like three out of four, and then sent them all fucking down again. Yeah, things were getting too good. We were winning too many games. Yeah, and we it, sent them when all they down. brought up uh, what, Neilander and, and some other chums. Yeah, I, I traded away PA Paranto <laughs> and all our ringers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, well, that's gonna wrap it up here for episode fifty six of the Pucks in Deep podcast. Uh, throwing it back to the mugs. Make sure you guys hit us up on Twitter. As Lesko mentioned, slide right into the DMs. Let us know if you want a mug. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll chat you up. We'll, we'll, we'll end up chatting you up. We'll get an address and we'll ship it out to you. Looking forward for more stuff to come here in the Pucks and Deep podcast. That's a wrap. Episode 56. Good time. Long one. We'll see you again next week. Goalies go. Goalies go.